have I got a story for you. Who knew a funny guy was also very introspective and a switch hitter? No, not, not that type, maybe dated reference, but literally a switch hitter. Figuratively speaking, I actually never asked him. Didn't seem important. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. AndrePsyche.com is that cute, quaint, corner store boutique with all sorts of neat and original merch you had no idea existed. Most people, if you're identifying as one anyway, are surfing the web. Is it even called surfing the web anymore? I feel like that's dated as well. Looking for something new. Well, my friends, your Wi-Fi or your neighbors allows you to shop and obtain all of the items created by Andre that you've never seen before. We are talking about literature, clothing, painting, prints, accessories, music, poetry, or best of all, any sort of custom gift your soul desires. Andre, after all, is a freelance creator extraordinaire. So go to andrepsyche.com and let your spirit guide you. Browse a little bit because each and every item has a story behind it that will speak to you. Nothing is made. Everything is created on AndrePsyche.com. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. Please, please, please do this podcast a favor based on hours of research on the internet. We have found that subscribes and reviews are the most important part in getting your podcast onto an assortment of playlists created by and made by Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever podcast platform they get posted on. So that might have been a little too long of an explanation just to get to the very simple and succinct point of subscribe. We need you to. Also, if you haven't already, friend and follow the pod. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just search us up. It's getting the number two, no, the letter U pod. And finally, we are looking for sponsors, which really care about our numbers of subscribers. Again, hint, please subscribe. But if you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market globally, please consider partnering with us. We've gotten to know people from all around the world. This podcast has been downloaded in over 20 different countries, and I believe we are up to 38 different states in America. So if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, just message us. Our sponsorship rates are extremely reasonable, and we would love to partner with you. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. my cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Jonesy. Jonesy, who um, prior to recording has um, influenced my diet and is the proud owner of a new USB mic, man. How's it going? 
I hope this uh, USB mic is appreciated to the to, for, uh, by your audience. It's, it's very high quality, twenty dollars <laughs> off Craigslist. Um, <laughs> I'm just letting you know, Sean, what a professional I am. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't play games. In other words, thank That's... you for having me. By the way, <laughs> I don't. I don't play games. Other words, what did the <laughs> what did the mic retail at? Did you Google like, hey man, it's the eighty dollar mic, and I'm saving whatever percent. It's a it's a fifty dollar mic, so I, I guess I, I got it less than half off uh, right. off Craigslist. But you know, when you buy something off Craigslist, you, you, of course you worry about the quality of the item. But I think more importantly, we all worry about hey, after I go meet this person to buy this item, it, will I even live? Will right. I make it home today? It is Craigslist after all, you know. So, so there's there's bigger problems, bigger fish to fry when it comes to buying something off craigslist i'm pretty pleased though with this thing you said it sounded pretty good so i think we're i think we're okay big win big yeah. win for jonesy no doubt so if you can get so many uses out of it right do you, so is there like a um man like what's what's the um shit the line of demarcation where you either like i'm all in i'm all out i don't know if that's the line of demarcation but like if you know you're getting something half off 80 percent off 20 percent off does that make you want to buy it more because for me, it does. Anything, if I'm saving whatever, 60%, I'm like, wow, that's value. I'm all in. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, it, it, on Craigslist, you know, I think you gotta, you got to be firm, man. Like, uh, like if, if there's something, like, it's a great example. Uh, I was looking at something that was being sold for $70 on Craigslist fairly recently. And then I looked it up, and it was $100 brand new. And, I, you know, I wrote them back. I said, hey, uh, this is a home item that you're selling during a pandemic, so I think you need I think you need to have some some more awareness in your pricing range here, um, and 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 it's got to at least be half off. After all, it's a home item during a pandemic, like a uh, you know, vase, and that like um, a piece of furniture, okay. you know. Uh, and so, like this thing costs a hundred brand new, whatever. You've got to be going for fifty or forty. Otherwise, who's coming over to get your home good during a pandemic? Right. Sir or ma'am. So uh, I, I think that's a good rule of thumb when it comes to buying stuff off Craigslist. At least and, half and, off. And, huh? and, and negotiating and getting things. I think half off during a pandemic is pretty damn good, man. Yeah, especially if, if they're trying to keep that income coming in, right? For a lot of people. I feel like sure. there's serial Craigslisters that go out and do like yard sales and they just scavenge for shit. And they're thinking in their head like, oh my God, I, I, I can make $10 off this. I can make you know, $5 I, off this. I, I was totally wondering if that could be a to like a, a, an, an occupation, and I believe that it could oh, for, dude, for sure. For sure. I mean, how long has eBay been around? Right? eBay right. was eBay was there for me during the dial-up days, and like that shit was super exciting, and people were making hella money, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I once um, my only experience with doing something like that it was kind of by accident. I came across a Ken Griffey Jr. upper deck card oh. uh, at this uh, upper deck rookie. You know the one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like eighty nine, whatever that year is, and and uh, it was being sold in an and I don't know where I was. I was like at a vintage store. Uh, and it was being it was mostly clothes in this place. And then they had a, a little section of baseball cards. They obviously didn't know what they right. had. This Ken Griffey Jr., every, every card was a dollar. So oh, just, I'll buy just this Ken right, Griffey. Just right to take advantage of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I bought the Ken Griffey Jr. upper deck. I put it on Craigslist for, I don't know, 50 bucks or 60 bucks, whatever whatever I could get for it at, at the time. Uh, surprisingly, that card has held its value, although most baseball cards are worth shit. Yeah. But this could... This Ken Griffey Jr. car, man, I got rid of it for like sixty bucks, and I made, you know, I made sixty bucks in one little whack. It was very, very easy. Um, but that's the only time I've ever done that. I'd imagine, uh, you know, if 
you could you can make a living. Dude, there there has to be an art. It's almost like stock trading penny stocks where you sure. just like notice where markets are going if you're just scrolling all day on that shit and just figuring out like, wow, there's a need for blank or, oh, I noticed a bunch of purchases on this, you know? Um, it, it's something where I feel like if I was more hobo-ish and homeless, I would totally take advantage of. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but then you'd have to, you'd have to be, um, uh, doing all your internet work probably at the local library, um, <laughs> or at the bus and, stop, man, <laughs> and, uh, at the bus stop. The bus, wherever you can get free electricity and Wi-Fi. just living out of like a McDonald's parking lot with a van. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you need, you also, you still need a way to take a photo and upload the item for sure. For sure. Are these people that are putting items on Craigslist or wherever without a photo? I'm like, what, what century are you in, man? Oh, really? So, no photo at all. I mean, just get with it, man. Well, is that now, a clue for something? And I, and I don't want to, um, out you in any way, but I've heard, and I've never partaken, but I've heard Craigslist can get you some things if you can like crack codes and know stuff about how the inner workings of the Craigslist dark web work. Huh. So is like I, the no photo thing, like a clue where whatever keyword with no photo equals illegal object. Oh, oh, right. And, or like a, a you get a foot job by a tranny, something like that. <laughs> That's, that's the, there's no, the no photo, uh, Craigslist post. It's like, uh, you get, you crack the code for some sort of illicit activity. I'd right? imagine, right? Yeah, dude, hundred percent. And then like a blurry photo would mean something else. And then like every third letter is capitalized would mean something else. You know, like sure. it has yeah. to be stuff like that. I'd imagine. And I just realized I said tranny on your show. Please, please forgive me. Um, I don't think I'm allowed to say that anymore. What am I, what, what do I say instead of that? I say a transgender, uh, person. I, um, is that a thing? I don't think you're supposed to say tranny. No, I think it's trans, it's transgender person. Gotcha. I can't, I, I, I struggle to keep up with what, um, what is, what, what you're supposed to say with, with the, the, uh, the language is, the language is always evolving and mm -hmm. I accidentally, uh, insult people. I, I don't mean to at right. all. Um, but it's just, uh, I, I don't, I'm not up on all the lingo. Yeah. It's, um, the, the wokeness is, is there like a, you know, urban dictionary? So like yeah, urbandictionary.com. Is there a woke wokeness.com? Oh, there really should be. To just um, try to help. Or you know what the other thing that I always thought would be very needed? So um with the NBA going into their bubble, the players are gonna get this like monitor where it beeps if you get within six feet of someone. So since your phone and your computer and everything, your Alexa is just always fucking listening to you anyway. What if there was a setting, like a woke setting? Where when you say shit that's going to offend people, Alexa just pops up and is like, ding. The proper oh. term for that would be insert. Damn, this would be fantastic. You save a lot of people their feelings. And so you save a lot of people, uh, you know, cancel culture. Right. Uh, yeah. This would, be, this would be helpful. Because un unfortunately, or you know what's a simple, uh, a simple solution to this without technology? <laughs> what's that? Is to uh, uh, pay attention to the person. And uh, and pay attention to the context, right. and, uh, and 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 make a, a judgment on whether or not there's um, malicious yeah. feeling, Ill will. Mali malicious intent behind the statement, right? Uh, before you make that uh, judgment on, uh, uh, you know, when you decide to take that person's career away from them. Yeah. And I, I think you'll find that in half of the cases, there is no um, malicious intention. I bet uh, you it's, it, it's it's way it's more just, than half, dude. Honestly, I, I like. Okay, I, I, don't I was know being liberal. I, I mean, I was I was giving a little more side, a little right? more side to the. To I just the other. 
maybe I'm just anti-social or my circle is that small, but I just don't know that many people who are dicks just to be dicks. Like, I, feel, I feel like you Correct. grow out of bullying when you're seven, 10. And now I, I don't know, maybe the mean girls out there or the girls who have experienced mean girls can talk to me about that. But like, I just don't come across that many straight up assholes in, um, in my day, unless I don't know, unless they make fun of me when I walk away and shit. <laughs> but like, I, I just, I, I don't think people intend to be jerks. Um, I, I agree. Uh, uh, although, um, you know, I do, I am disappointed in humanity overall. I, I think, um, I think in most, in, in most cases, there isn't malicious intent behind the words. We're so fixated on the words, unfortunately. Right. And social media is an infrastructure that's built to just only share the text, um, oftentimes out of context. Well, yeah, that's so, it, dude. You can't, you yeah. can't rage. If you actually listen to the full context, your rage would then dissipate and you wouldn't have the quick snarky, whatever you're going to post in order to show how outraged you are. Correct. Correct. Um, yeah. you know, in, in fact, someone could t- take, uh, you know, the initial, the initial, uh, my initial joke that I had earlier about uh, meeting someone on Craigslist for a foot massage or whatever, and they oh, could just yeah. take that right out of context. So you're there. a footist. Not, you're not a footist. Listen, you hate them. Not, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and then ruined my career. Uh, and not listen to the rest of the podcast where we actually broke down. I admitted, I, I admit, I don't know uh, the proper wording. Right. I was trying to figure it out here, and I and and. I think you know, and, and most people that listen to the whole podcast or know me know that I don't mean anything malicious yeah. behind it. We're, we're so fixated on the outward appearance of it. And, uh, you, you know, we're seeing that with, uh, for, for instance, Jimmy Kimmel getting in trouble for doing a blackface sketch uh, years oh, and years Carl ago. Oh, Malone, right? So, you know, Jimmy Kimmel doesn't uh, do blackface as well, even years it? ago so, as with, with malicious intent. Uh, you know, we're talking in the contents of comedy and a sketch – of course, in the light of this, in the light of this now, it seems quite offensive. But to rake this man over the coals and demand that he get canceled for something he didn't do with malicious intent uh, many years ago, uh, I think is is just it's just over the top. It's too much, in, in my opinion. Yeah, you're talking. He was the Carl Malone guy, right? Uh, Did yeah. he dress up right. as Carl? I thought it was. I guess I can do a quick gig because there there seemed to be like a run there, right? Where like everybody's history of posting was good sure. dude, i saw did you see the howard stern one where he had no, the puppet set. oh he had- jesus christ dude so he was acting so if you remember ted danson when he dated or married Whoopi goldberg actually held a press conference in legit blackface really do you, do you not remember this no i don't remember that what year was that dude i i don't know the year i feel like i'm fucking 25 years older than you now man and i thought we were <laughs> decent in age like i thought we were close in age so i'm 39 fuck man you're gonna make me google on and i hate hearing the keys um let me ask you something so that you can talk while i am uh googling to find this out um well what, um, you know I'm what's curious, your best bedtime uh, story no I'm ted just danson i assume did this as a, it's a joke right it was just being this was a this was to be funny uh hey everybody i'm marrying Whoopi goldberg I i'm think a it, white dude it, and now i'm gonna i'm gonna have this funny thing 1993 a, yes so he showed been, up it's been approved it's been approved by my wife uh is that what was going on here yeah exactly so i believe it was the gist and it's been a while um because i just saw the image when howard's to compare to what um howard stern did but it was because it was back in 93 and basically Ted Danson was like, why is this a big deal that I'm a white guy meeting up with this or, you know, in a relationship with a black lady? 
So Howard Stern made fun of this and he dressed in blackface. And not only did he dress in blackface, he was just liberal as hell with the N word, like throwing it around and making funny, making derogatory remarks to Whoopi Goldberg using the N word. And, and like, I can't even, I, I can't say it, man. You have to like look it up, but it's like fucking viral nasty, man. And And this was in 1993. No, the Howard Stern, probably around that era. I was just trying to Google it, but it's hard for me to Google and talk um, and think <laughs> and engage in the conversation. <laughs> I almost need like a producer, Jimmy Kimmel, Blackface. I'm almost positive it was Carl Malone mm. for Jimmy Kimmel. Well, And that's the other thing. with Yes, um, it was. It was Carl Malone in the show. Carl. So I guess what I was getting at with the Jimmy Kimmel point is he didn't do like Blackface. He kind of went like trying to be authentic to the person he was – making fun of and I like yeah and I I don't know if I like I I didn't and I don't know if I am allowed to be offended or not offended by it but like I don't look at that as offensive because it was a whole skit comedy and he didn't just do like like his, I believe his head was bald you know like he went all into the character his arms were you know colored as well and it, it's very odd that a guy that seems as nice as he is and does great things um would be canceled for trying to make a trying to look like somebody he was making fun of or poking fun at. Yes. Yes. So this is, I mean, this is the sort of thing that's going on here, making it difficult for comedians and whatnot. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's tough stuff. And I wish we had, uh, a, a language guide as you alluded to earlier to sort of keep us up to date. Um, it's just, it's just a shame that people don't, uh, people are so fixated upon the words, uh, in, in, in spite of what the intention, the yeah. intention seems to take a back seat, which is unfortunate because I, I think most people don't mean anything by it. Yeah. Um, if, if they if they are slipping and saying the wrong, uh, using the wrong language, it's it's be really most of the time because of some ignorance of it. Oh, and so, 100%. Uh, you know, they should. I think a lot of these people should get a pass. Uh, educate them. Don't cancel them. You know, because well, at, at, to me, like I'm looking at Jimmy Kimmel at the end of the day, I. I have no idea how many people are employed and earn a living because of Jimmy Kimmel, one person being in front of a camera. Like I would imagine it's almost a hundred people that have livelihoods connected to that guy. Sure, sure. I didn't even think of that. So if you you know, if you kick if you remove this guy's show, how many how many people are, are gonna be suffering families, et cetera? Yeah, right. I mean Kids the, ra- the ramifications are huge. Uh, yeah. Huge. Uh, so yeah, it's just a big problem and something yeah. that we're trying to do and and you know what i what i always kind of go to in um at the end of the day i mean we have bigger fish to fry man than uh, than some language uh, you know some what words somebody used in 1993 uh, i mean does anyone pay attention to what's going on with the planet right now i mean really yeah. you got these 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 people that are on a crusade to to take down celebrities that had an offensive tweet in, in 1999. And I'm like, your, your energy really could be used elsewhere, man. You know, we you know, just gave point. our government just gave one and a half billion dollars to the Catholic church for free. You know, this is an organization that wait, uh, what? Has, what? Yeah. I have uh, not heard uh, that. Yeah. Part of the, um, part of the COVID, the uh, stimulus package. Yes, stimulus package. The Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, got one point four billion dollars. This is a this is an organization that doesn't even contribute to our taxes, and yet they're getting this amount of money. Holy I mean, there are, there are better. In other words, my my point is there are 
way better targets for your ire and your anger well, for, and your research and your, and your intelligence, right? Correct, like like correct, if, if, if you're thinking yeah, about this, do, sure. They do research. They, they create pretty, pretty successful memes and videos yeah. and gifs and whatnot. And, and they know how to edit and, and make right? in Photoshop and they're all over it. Yeah. When it comes time, to, when it comes time to take down Kevin Hart, um, meanwhile, you know, there's real problems in the world. Large groups of people are, are being subjected to, uh, you know, all sorts of atrocities it's, in the name of our government and everything else. Yeah, so, and it will. So my get mind, busy, you know, go get, ahead. Get man, a, I'm sorry. Get, get a life. In other words, yeah. get a fucking life. <laughs> get busy and and be helpful. You're not being well, add, helpful. Exactly. Add right. So that would add and multiply. And I guess sometimes you need to subtract and divide. But for the most part, you should contribute. Right. You should contribute to something that's positive, and not um, not that takes away because you think you're a crusader for something. There, there's other ways to help that change. Uh, dude, I can't believe 1.4 billion to the fucking Catholic church. How many, how much job training could go on with, um, the financial gap, the SES gap schools are going to be fucked, man, with funding, sure. the local funding and the taxes are going to ride up and we got to figure out how to get kids in classrooms. 1.4 billion. I'm pretty sure that could help. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think getting kids in classrooms is the answer. It's a little too, that's kind of walking some shaky ground, but you know, getting away, a way for them to be schooled. Yeah. So, you know, that money could go to families that need to hire, for instance, childcare, because you have people yeah. who, who can't be at home exactly while the child is, is, is attending that quote unquote class uh, online and, uh, you know, so how about some assistance for these families to get some childcare while that yeah. happens? Or, um, or I don't know, or, like or, some rent assistance too, man. You rent know? assistance as well. I mean, th- there's so many more places this money could go, you know, and, and it's only 1.4 billion and it would make, a, it would make a hell, it'd make a big difference. <laughs> so you know, if many? you took half of the billions that Trump has given to his, his buddies as a result of this stimulus program, you could educate these people the next four generations with that money. Right. No problem. I Isn't mean, that... it, this is a huge problem. It's a huge problem. Isn't the population of America like 330 million? About that. Yes. Yeah. So that's what, like basically $4. So everyone could have $4 in their pocket or the Catholic church could get 1.5 billion to make some more stained glass windows. Yeah, sure. So you could buy everybody a boba tea, or, or give or give money to these pedophiles. What what do you do? You choose, dude. That's the uh, talk about fucking cancel culture. I mean, like you think that that was the absolute first thing that popped into my mind when you said Catholic Church. It wasn't. Oh, they help the poor. Oh, they give people peace. Oh, they look at. It's like no, they're fucking rapists and they're overspenders. Yeah, for sure, and they do not contribute. To, to taxes. They just do yeah. not. And, and, and it, I disagree with that. I, I wow, disagree. Dude, with I, that. No idea. I can't believe I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. I mean, I saw it on Twitter this morning. I don't know how long it's been out, but yeah. I mean, every day on Twitter, I'm like seeing more and more reasons to uh, be alarmed at what, where that money went to, you know, Man. it was like, I guess the, Anne the, Anne ran, what is it? And, and I and ran, uh, society got like 300 million like this is like what what is this these are like little squirrely ideal ideological yeah. groups here that you're giving all these millions to what are you doing yeah. well i saw that the los angeles lakers I'm, I'm a little bit of a sports guy so i saw the los angeles lakers got a couple mil and kanye got a couple mil and, yeah and it's like i so i live in a resort town in delaware and it's summer and we have all these travel bands the restaurants for us are at like 50 percent capacity with six foot tables 
And there's, we thrive in the summer, man, like waiters, waitresses, or we're talking about college kids or even moms and dads who make 30 to 40 grand in the summer, gets them through the year because they work 10 hour days and stuff. The businesses are fucking empty, man. People are not getting money to these servers. And it's like, wouldn't that be better than Yeezy getting to 2 million? Yeah, absolutely. The Lakers as well. I yeah. mean, you know, the if you're if you're an owner of a sports team, I mean, you're already coming from a place of just extreme wealth. Extreme, extreme wealth. wealth. I mean, to give to give the the Lakers whatever they were given, it's just that's just ridiculous. You know, same thing with Shake Shack was given. By the way, these aren't small businesses. Man. They're what corporations, a, right? No a doubt, small business. You know, no this isn't a doubt. small business. The Catholic Church isn't a small business. Um, Grinder. Is value the valuation of Grinder is like six hundred million. They, you know, they they were given a lot of money. It, it, you know, this is just this is just ridiculous. Meanwhile, you know, the, the Laugh Factory here in Hollywood, which is an institution here, that the club's been here for thirty years. It is a part of the history of Los Angeles. It is a part of its quirky character. It's right in Hollywood, and. You know, this club has applied twice for a small business loan and been denied. This is a place that could use the help. Yes. Why? This is a place that could use the the help. Do you Um, get to know why you've been rejected? Have you heard? Oh no, no, you don't get to find out why you've been rejected. According to well, I've only have I only have one source for this. You know, talking (laughs) to the general manager of the club. um, So yeah, they don't know. Um, I mean, for all intents and purposes, to me, it just seems that you aren't this. You you you. You didn't get the money because you actually are a small business. Yeah, right. Like they, it, it almost acts like you're not going to help enough people. It's like, well, I don't need three million, man, but like a hundred k could really help me out for a couple months. Yeah, absolutely. It could pay the rent for half a year or whatever. Yeah. You know, it, it just. I just think this thing was falsely labeled small business assistance. Oh, here. dude, 100%. they're not helping the small businesses. That's not what's going on. <laughs> it's, no, it's all. It, it's it, it's extremely frustrating, and I, it's funny. But again, going back to. Um, cancel culture like that's the type of shit if people really rallied behind and people figured out real quick concise ways like a pie chart if you saw a fucking pie chart of the percent of the money that went to places with a label right right there you just that shit would go viral and everyone would be like who voted for this nope not putting you in office next time exactly something that simple but like i mean i i have not logged on to try to find this stimulus package and to see and to actually break down where the money went. Like, I don't feel like I'm smart enough to know how to do it. I feel like it would take me years. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I only see it on uh, whatever leaks on Twitter and it's slowly, but surely you're seeing um, the information come out. Like the grinder was like last week. And then today was the Catholic church. You're, you're seeing, Oh, and then what was it? Uh, two weeks ago, it was like, um, Trump-related businesses, like something, uh, I don't know, his extended family's businesses were given a bunch of money, um, his buddies, this kind of thing. It's slowly leaking out. I don't know where it comes from. but Yeah, um, different you know, people um, with different political agendas. Dude, did you, you know, see those senators who were fucking on the insider intel back in February when corona was um, breaking out, the pandemic was happening in um, over in China? So they sold and made, I believe it was like three or four senators made a couple million dollars on their stocks because they unloaded the shit right before the crash. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, sure, sure. Remember that? Like, like those all. people, how are they still, how, how, how are they not in jail? 
for taking oh, that mean, information. Yeah, man. I mean, this stuff, this has been going on forever, man. Yeah, you it's know? so how fucked are the, up. How are these people not just beheaded in public? I don't understand it. They're, all of their resources should be taken from them and distributed to the rest of us, for, for sure. They, they're just... They're just these pariahs on society. The fact that they're, you know, they're in, a, they just completely abuse their power and their position to the, for their own personal wealth. It's just unacceptable. And I, I just can't stand these people. This whole thing needs to be, the whole political process needs to just be totally revamped. It's, it's, it's so a shame bad. that it goes on like this, but I'm not surprised when I hear these stories anymore. You know, I'm just not. How sad is that? <laughs> that well, you know, that that's the worst part, right? And when you become numb to it, you, you just accept it. It's almost like a weird, um, I don't, I don't think it was Pavlov. I think it was Skinner learned helplessness where basically like no matter what the dog did, it got fucking shocked. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the dog just accepted no matter what I do, I'm going to get shocked. So I just sit and I do nothing. And then even when the shock was removed, the, the collar, the ability to shock the dog, the dog doesn't know. And it just feels like anything I do, I'm going to get shocked. So I'm not going to do anything. And it's yeah, almost like sure. we're and at that point with, with all this shit, because you add up these numbers, man, by the way, the fucking country's in debt. Like, like it's not like the money that we just sent out is real in any way. <laughs> oh no, for sure not. And you know, the, the, it'll be the devaluation of the dollar as we'll see. This will be one of the many fallouts of all of this. Uh, you know, unless it's, Silicon it's, Valley keeps just punching shit out that people want to buy. And, you know, they like to give us all the illusion that we can um, make change by giving us the choice of uh, two between two rich lying bastards, really. Um, so seven, here you go. Well, if you don't like one rich lying bastard, you can vote for the other rich lying bastard. Either are, way, their friends are going to be taken care of before the people will be taken oh, care of. 100%. Everybody knows that. Yeah, well, and that's where the stimulus money comes, right, or goes. Um, so yeah. yeah, so one thing, and it, it's funny because I love shooting the shit, but I also want to get to know more about you because I don't know anything really about you aside from internet stalking you for the last half hour. Um, so when you have to vote, how worried are you that the power of the nuclear button will be put in the hands of two seventy, almost 80 year olds where like, I don't even think my mother could figure out how to send a text message on an iPhone and we're going to like trust these dudes to make snap of the minute decisions being woken up at like two in the morning. That really fucks with me, man. Yeah. It, it, I, I disagree. Same as you with, with this, our choices of people. I mean, you know, they, all of these politicians, man, they just, they all, where are they coming from? They're coming from law and finance. Usually, uh, these are the people, mostly lawyers, really. Most of our lawmakers are right. and politicians are lawyers. I mean, I don't know. When, when, I don't know about you. When I when I think of lawyers, I think of squirrely motherfuckers, man. It's like what, <laughs> there's so many jokes about why you shouldn't trust a lawyer, right? I mean, in their culture, that you know, they've been kicking around for years. So many jokes about you cannot trust a lawyer, and yet these are these always seem to be our leaders, our representative government is made up with so many of these assholes. And why should lawyers be making decisions? For the rest of us, uh, I mean, why should this one niche in our culture, you know, that's be, another good have one. so much of the power, dude? I mean, that, that's another pie chart we need, man. So, like, of the representatives in Congress in in the Senate, what were their past careers prior to being political proponents of whatever change or elected officials? Right? Like, yeah. I, I would love. I wonder if that is true. Like, are the majority? 
They would almost have to be, right? And they're like, and eighty percent have been in a frat of some sort as well. Oh, for sure, a frat. Yeah, it's a big boys' club. Uh, you know, politics, right? It's a big boys' club. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the numbers exactly, but I mean, yeah. it seems to me like most of them are lawyers. And now, you know, and now we're. This is a perfect example with the pandemic, where we're being instructed during a pandemic by lawyers instead of scientists. Uh, like, yeah. hello. Yeah, that's this a is, great point. This is not a time to be listening to lawyers. Jesus. This is why you get, you know, hey, just don't, it's no problem. Put, you Don't even worry about a mask. This is why you get these things. These are what governors of Florida are saying, you know, th- right. these types of idiots. And it's because they're, they're, they're just morons, you know, and we, at a time like this, we should be listening to scientists, biologists, et cetera, et cetera, and, you yeah. know, but, it, but again, we put the power into the hands of these squirrely lawmakers and. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a shame. It's yeah. A who shame. haven't, who haven't lived a real life, like a daily grind of a life. In yeah. They're forever. so yeah, they're completely detached from, Dude, they are from, from the like people us, they represent. You know? Like that, that's one of the biggest farces to me is like even the congressmen. So whatever, there's hundreds of congressmen and the districts are smaller. You're supposed to be more um, dependent on that personal touch. Right. And Delaware, I think has a million people. We get one congressional representative like that. They, they don't live a life like 95% of the Delawareans do. Like they have no idea what it is to make an hourly wage, you know, and like to pay a bill on time and worry about like floating a check. It just doesn't happen, man. And, and they make decisions acting like they know what people actually need without ever honestly talking to just real people in like a long form conversation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this whole idea of representational government could be thrown out, in my opinion, anyways. I mean, why do I need somebody to represent me? I have a fucking smartphone. I have a smartphone on me at all times. You can blast out polls, questionnaires, whatever the hell you need to do. There's no no reason why we can't all be uh, giving input as citizens using our smartphones somehow. There's no need for some – it's always some white guy – to, to go to go to the you know to go to Washington D.C. and say hey I represent those million and a half people in Delaware this is what they would like uh, they they told me they want money <laughs> exactly. they want money they want money here they want money allocated I there think, they want this and that yes. and I'm representing my people here you know we we can do away with that man we can totally do away with that if I can if I can take a photo of a check and deposit it without going to the goddamn bank no, and it goes. With my ABA number and account number, and it goes yeah. right into the, you know, I can buy stocks the same way. Dude, I got a flash flood warning on my phone this morning at eight o'clock. Like, See? I didn't ask for that shit. Someone ha- did someone hack into Verizon, break the network, or did they save me? Right? Like, they're trying to help me. I, I can't, I got to fucking mail in a ballot. You can't yeah. just send me a secure link where I can click who I want. Sure. Yeah, we can vote. We should be able to vote with our phone. We should be able to yeah. give political input with our phone. You know, yeah. like let's just say there's a budget and then we all vote. How much percentage should go to education? How much percentage should go to healthcare? How much percentage could go to the military, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you left it up to the people, I think you would see a vastly different pie chart as to where the, the money is spent um, from, you know, the money in our coffers are spent. You know, it would be far less on military and Far more on education and healthcare and social services and the places where it's really needed. Yeah. So you, and I'm not judging you, but I'm going to say you sound more sensitive than capitalistic. Is this like a family trait? Have you grown into this? 
Uh, what do you mean by sensitive? Well, so not if you go black and white, right? It's like military or social services, right? So a dollar can only go so far. And it seems like if you had a dollar, maybe you would go more towards the social services more so than like the, let's make sure we have a ton of bullets, a ton of nuclear weapons. Would that well, be kind of sure, correct? Sure. Yeah. I mean, how, how, I mean, I think the data has already come in. I mean, how much <laughs> money have we been spending on military? And then look at the situation. We have, we have not educated our generations. They're a bunch of fucking morons. No, well, all right? so, so that's all, a... they're all on, they're all taking, you know, ADD pills and they're incapable of very much. Uh, unfortunately, they're not very bright. Uh, you know, travel the world a little bit and talk to young people. I have, and it's very noticeable how unintelligent most Americans are. Well, uh, it's beaten out of them, man. On, on so a the school, scale. The, honestly, the educational, the, there's two things that's wrong. So I'm a teacher as well. And there's two things that's wrong with the educational system. One, originally it was founded for compliance, not creativity, right? Like there's a standard. Can you meet the standard? You have done that in an obedient way. Here's your A. And two, do you know how the achievement gap is measured when they say like what percentage of blacks, what percent of low SES compared to non-blacks compared to non-low um, SES people? Do you know how they actually measure that achievement gap? I do not. It's a single standardized test, man, that is proficient or not. So a kid mm. basically in third, starting in third grade all the way through 10th, you, you take a, it probably takes three hours. And it can be broken up into chunks. It's like 50 questions in reading, 50 questions in math about. And you get a score based on how you do on that test. And you're charted as a girl, at, at your, your race, your age, your gender, your socioeconomic status. All gets charted. Your scores get put into buckets. And then it's determined whether your teaching for the year is effective based on how a kid did on one single test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's that, a that's a poor system. Yeah, no doubt. I'd say yeah, no, no, no doubt. And then they try to throw these um growth goals in there or whatever to say like, oh, we're closing it because this kid grew so much more. But I guess my point is, if I'm deemed as effective if a kid does well on one single test and my reputation is based on their success, am I going to c- encourage creativity or am I going to encourage kids to score well on a rubric based assessment or a multiple choice assessment? Yeah, so I mean, this is a symptom of the overall. Because uh, funding's uh, tied to it, man. So then it comes un, down to un, money. I mean, the education system hasn't evolved since the industrial age. You know, it's still, it's still everybody line up. I'm going to put input information. You give it. You output it. Yeah. You know, compliance. That, man. that is still the kind of the basis of our education here. This test sounds like a symptom of that as well. It's unfortunate. It doesn't inspire any creative thinking no, or and that's, anything like that. This the whole education system could be could be changed. But how do you how do you make that happen without uh, without more money being poured into this area? Uh, you know, yeah. we're only as wealthy as our youth, man. I mean, you could make that argument. Our people are our wealth. Oh, 100%. percent. So it's our best resource. Why shouldn't more and more resources go to to making uh, as smart as we can as as innovative as as we can, these younger generations. You know, create. I, no, dude, I, I, to be I don't see anybody making an argument against this. And I think if you were to leave these choices up to the people, I think you'd see uh, a consensus here that hey, we want our we want to educate our people, man, because everybody wins when we're all educated. And when everybody's educated, 
it just is a trickle down effect, man, that we'll get, we'll probably get, if we're going to still deal with representational government, we'll probably get more qualified representational people in there. The, the, an educated populace isn't going to put up with the bullshit that they see on Capitol Hill so, so much, you know, the true democracy only works if you're an informed voter, yeah. you know, that's the only way that it works. This is why Socrates was kind of against democracy because Socrates saw that, Hey, it's easy you know, to manipulate, this, man. This is, this only works if the, if the people are intelligent, they have to be educated voters. Otherwise, why are we letting them make a decision on who should be the leader? Yeah. You know, that's what, he, you know, that was the argument that Socrates made and it still holds forth today. We have a very uneducated populace, which is why some idiot uh, from a reality show can, can be plunked into office. With a couple you know? fucking I mean, slogans. Do we need any more evidence than this? No doubt, dude. Uh, no doubt. And, and so this education will have a trickle-down effect and everything becomes improved. Everything. The products we make, the politicians we elect, the social services that are put out there, the quality of our teachers, the quality of our police force. I mean, this you're not going to get these dummies that are putting their neck on people's, their knee on people's necks for four minutes because they're going to be taught better. They're going to be intelligent. They're going to yeah. say, oh, this is probably a bad idea. But no, we got idiots in every little sector. And this is the fallout of that. We're, we're, a, we're a crippled nation now and we can't even get everybody to agree to put fucking masks on during a, a worldwide <laughs> pandemic. It's just, it's ridiculous. L let me ask you, um, cause of the school life, what was your early, what was your school life like, man? Like, do you have a, like a favorite grade at some point? Do you have like a hated teacher? Do you have like a worst year of my life, best year of my life in school kind of stuff? Well, school wasn't so good for me in high school. I, uh, school wasn't so good. Um, I, I I didn't like school. Um, I Too was much. kind of I'm kind of from a kind of a a, a a trashy white trash kind of low income town um, on the border of New Hampshire, and uh, my family was pretty low class uh, for the most part. And uh, I found school to be uh, yeah. It, it, I just didn't I didn't like it at all. I, I wasn't. Was it like the rules, the reading, the homework? You just didn't like the authority that the teachers had over you? Well, I school I lunch. Didn't, <laughs> I didn't like that I I was one of these people who didn't have a lot of friends. I wasn't um I didn't have I wasn't part of the the, the cool group. Uh, okay. That of people that seemed to be having all the fun and all the enjoyment. Uh I was uh definitely somebody who was like kind of in the corner with uh, wishing they had more friends and wishing they had a better time and was participating more in the, Do you, you know, think... in that, in the culture. So, you know, just one of these people that was kind of like a loser, you know, that's kind of, uh, that's a little bit of kind of how I was. It's a little bit of an exaggeration, but like, that's kind of how it, how it was. Yeah. Or how me. you felt. Right. And I, I think it's that's easy. A, yeah. It's easy to help people understand like what you're trying to say by putting labels on it like that. And actually, there's a great book. Um, you probably haven't read it, or maybe you have. I shouldn't assume. Um, it's called Loser by Jerry Spinelli. It, it's a kid's book. Have you happened to read it? No, no, I haven't yeah. read that. I haven't so, heard of that. So the, they're basically the book's premise is like there's an awakening, and this kid's like a complete loser, but he's an adorable loser until he hits middle school. 
And then they call it like the awakening where everybody's eyes are open. And now like when you trip all the time in gym class, instead of like laughing at like, oh, look, he tripped again. It was like, Jesus, you're so, so fucking uncoordinated, you know? And now you start to get classified as a loser because you're always screwing up. And, um, the point, the premise was like sometime in society, people feel certain ways because they start getting noticed publicly in school and it can really screw with kids, man. And you have to be like aware of that. Um, but at the same time, good. Well, I was going to say, but I mean, at the end it worked, it worked out well for me because, um, <laughs> I, I left, you know, I, I felt unwanted and therefore I left and, and, you know, the people that felt wanted, they're still in my hometown. You know, the, the quarterback of the football team is what became of him. He never left because he got the love there. He was yeah. somebody there. And then I went to New York City and, and made something of myself, sort of. Um, and I, would, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have done that if I felt embraced uh, by my peers in that town. Did you, you know, do theater or anything in high school? I did not, no. Why not? Uh, I guess I, I didn't – I just didn't want to spend more time at the place. Oh. You, know? you know, I mean I, I played a little baseball – I played a little bit of sports, but again, that was, I was kind I was not really at the school for that. You know, we went to a ball field, but I didn't want to be in that building, man. And, and you know, I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to get up and go. I just hated it so much. I didn't try at all. Although I'm an intelligent human being, I just didn't, I didn't try. I got all C's really. Mm. I didn't, I just wanted to get out of there, man. Do you think that like feeling that kind of rejectedness, was it because of being poor? Or was was it because like did you just forget to like start using deodorant a year too late? <laughs> uh, it, it, in my opinion, it was predominantly socioeconomic related for sure. Um, I, I had I didn't have uh, access to like cool clothes, and uh, I wasn't uh, doing the extracurricular things that cost money because I just right. couldn't do those things. Uh, I got a I went to get a part-time job after just so I could buy myself some cool sneakers so that to be accepted, you oh, know, man. That, yeah. that's kind of, that's, that's where I was at. You know, my, my parents couldn't understand this. So I never, I never, I never told them such things were going on. You know, why right. am I working a part-time job every day? I mean, they just thought I was a go-getter, but I mean, the, <laughs> look the at real, his ambition and you're like, no, I'm just tired of being made fun of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just want to be liked, please. Because you know, I am, I am a funny person, but no one's laughing at my jokes because I'm a loser, you know. <laughs> and when you're a loser, it doesn't matter what you say or do. Like they're just gonna, they're, you're in that category, and so it's hard to get out of that category, man. Yeah, man. That's um. Did did you have did you have like a best friend, or did you really feel that that isolated? So like sometimes like whatever you go stereotypical movie like the the loser guy or the goth girl, they always got like one or two people, right? They got the real close personal circle. Did you at least have that? I, I really didn't. I really oh, didn't man. have a yeah, close person. Like kind of uh, senior year, kind of. Because um, uh, what helped was I, I I saved up in between myself and my my stepfather. We were able to get me a little car. So oh, I had a car. I had a car my senior year, which was pretty cool. It wasn't a great car, but it was something. Dude, you don't care back then, right? If it just runs, yeah, man, that's it. What so, kind of car was it? Uh, it was a, you know, it was a, 
it was an old Honda Accord, like a really old kind of, um, you know, in pretty good shape for the year. I can't remember what the year was. Like, Fucking I don't Hondas, know. It was, like a, a, it was like a late 80s Honda Accord. Yeah, nice. And Super because boxing. I had this vehicle, um, there was a kind of a group of kids who were pretty cool who wanted to hang out with me because I would drive them places. I could drive them around. But I, I, I took that. I accepted that. I was like, I was very glad to do that for them because they accepted me. Right. You know, and um, I still speak to them occasionally to this day. Those, those, those guys, they're, they're back there in my hometown, but one of them has passed away, but the others are, they're they're still there. They have families. Um, So yeah, that was kind of, so senior year had, had some friends a little bit. What'd you do during lunch, man? Like freshman year, soft, like sophomore year had to fucking suck or halfway through freshman year when you're like realizing like, Jesus, I don't have the table or a table. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember what I, I just remember hanging out with some misfits, um, to, to put it nicely. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I just hanging out with, you know, there was like a crew of people who just would, had no, nobody really that would just kind of congregate at a table and, uh, I would do that. Um, yeah. Did you, I, I was, I was, I, I was somewhat good looking still, for, for, you know, just kind of naturally sort of cute. And so I could, I could kind of talk to girls at the time still. I would try to do that. And I was somewhat successful at that because I was just, was, I was somewhat good looking. And um, were, you had to hit them with the wit though too, right? Like that, that's yeah, so really I, like, you can make you know, a girl big, laugh all big, of a sudden and then you look right, like right. good and it's like, oh shit, I'm in. Yeah, it's like big blue eyes and has jokes. You know, okay, okay, do okay. <laughs> uh, you know, at least I could get them to you know agree to give me their number. You know, like this kind of thing was kind of happening. Right. Nobody in my own grade. It was like younger, younger, younger grades, of course. Um, Who didn't know the rap yet? <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They weren't aware of where, where I was at completely in the in the in the scale. So yeah. You could trick them a little bit, I suppose. Um, Jesus, man. Dude, how did you pass the time then? Like, so you're not really doing the schoolwork. Like, what are you, how are you killing eight hours a day? Uh, so what I what I would do was, um, everything was about baseball for me, really. Uh-huh. I would just, every, every spare opportunity I could get, I would be playing baseball or I would be swinging a bat. Um, I was hell bent on becoming a major league baseball player. I, I, oh, no I, way. I, I really thought I would be, I really was just, I, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be a ball player. Um, and I've read all sorts of baseball books. Like I've read the biographies of Jesus, you name it. I mean, Ty Cobb, Lou Gehrig, Stan Musial. Great role uh, models. Hank Greenberg. <laughs> I mean, biographies of like, I read the biography of Don Baylor. I mean, just players that you were like, why did you read that guy's book? Daryl Strawberry's book. I've read another great role model. I mean, you name, I mean, I read everything I could about. I mean, I, I know, I mean, a, a lot of it has left my brain, but I still consider myself pretty knowledgeable yeah. when it comes to, uh, especially old baseball, you know, very mm-hmm. familiar with, with, uh, with the history of baseball. Uh, so I was spending most of my time playing ball, practicing ball, or uh, you know, reading about reading about baseball. And, you know, wiffle ball was a thing, of course. Oh, you're from, Jesus. You're in Delaware, so you're in the Northeast, so I guarantee yeah. you, you've pulled your share of wiffle ball. It's very... Oh, dude. You, you find it up in the Northeast more than any other part of the country. Fuck yeah. Ball it's like wiffle ball and lacrosse are almost yeah, like niches sure. in the Northeast, dude. Yep. 
Yep. I mean, I played so much wiffle ball in baseball that it's just like, yeah, that's where I spent my time. Shit, I hit the batting cages yesterday, as a matter of fact, over here. Um, yeah. <laughs> with, with, with no sleeves? Just just showing the guns. <laughs> just showing the guns, baby. I, I mean, I can't I can't get in the baseball cage. I mean, I'm I'm in there I'm in there hitting fifty miles an hour. Okay, okay, but the sixty, I'm still like, ah, I'm a little behind on the sixty. Dude, that that's something that um is shocking, man. When you look at major league player, again, it, it's one of the hardest. I think it is harder than hitting a driver straight in golf, where it's like, dude, I don't think you realize how fucking fast ninety miles an hour is. In oh, a little man, round I, circle, like you, you, you don't even stand by cars going ninety miles an hour on the regular. Imagine a fucking yeah. hard object just whizzing by you within a foot, and you gotta hit that thing with a round stick. Yeah, I mean, get in a cage right now, Sean. At you know, at our age, get in there and just try and hit sixty. Like, dude, see what yeah. happens. It's it's, dude. You'll be you'll be shocked yeah. at how fast it is and you say to yourself wow how was i hitting this as a as a kid as a teenager how was i doing this you know yeah, um and you know it's just like i don't have that same twitch you know, no, that the I anticipation had. and the twitch it's all reps man it, it, and well then yeah. part of it too is you just fucking get older man right and like that shit slows down when you're older yeah yeah dude you so know? what were you like as a player you like a five tool guy or you like a squirmy little second baseman that's all like bun- like running bunts <laughs> so um uh, on the way up in little league i was a catcher uh, oh no way and then Mad respect I, to the catchers I loved, dude i loved being involved in in the game like that um yeah but then i i didn't really grow um you know i, I just didn't i didn't evolve physically like the other kids i just kind of stayed small and so catching kind of became I, I just i didn't grow with the part you know so then uh, I moved to second base. I became a second baseman. I knew it, man. All, all the small, quick guys who work hard are second basemen. Yeah. Like it's- yeah, so second base. I mean, I can turn a double play very, I mean, amazingly. The the, the ball comes out of the glove so quickly. Um, <laughs> and uh, if it even goes in the glove, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll clutch it on the outside of the damn thing. Uh, I'll ricochet that bitch off my cleat. Yeah, I'll just do a, I'll do a running Bruce Lee bicycle kick and kick the ball to first. Uh Switch hit my whole life though. That was no the thing. way. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. So I'm a natural righty, but I I started hitting. During, I mean, playing wiffle ball. I would just start. We had um. Yeah. We were one of the one of our wiffle ball environments was partial to left-handed hitting. It was like they had a nice. We had a, on one side we had a, it was a building that we were hitting off of. On the left side it was pretty lame, but on the right side it was like had this nice long fence like with a porch and so if you hit if you could pop some dingers to right it was it was much more rewarding so i just started hitting lefty wiffle ball as a kid um in this one particular uh parking lot that we played in and then i just i just tried doing it at baseball and i just kept at it and so i was i was switch hitting at a very young age and and you know i'm still i still hit better lefty on fast pitch as and i yesterday in the cage um you know, much better lefty still to this day. I think it's, I just think you see the ball better or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's that whole thing, right? Well, actually, so if most people are right-handed pitchers and you hit left-handed, isn't it supposed to give you like an, whatever, extra half a millisecond of like reaction time? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I've also heard that if you're, there's something about your uh, right eye being, um, 
if you're a righty being better or something. I don't know if that's true oh. at all. This this might just be a rumor that I heard, but I heard that something like that as well. That's what there's so many. I don't know, but but I think what your point is made even more so uh, when you I think about how most successful batting average hitters in baseball history have been left-handed. Well, yeah, right, because you your your momentum's going towards first base, right? So as soon yeah. as you swing, it's almost like you get two extra steps compared to a righty, steps, and yeah. your momentum's you can, going that way on top of it. Yeah, you can kind of see the ball coming out of a right-handed pitcher's better, and there's more right-handed pitchers in, in the sport than left-handed, so you already have it. You have an advantage there. I mean, if you bat lefty, you will get you – know, the people that platoon in Major League Baseball, the, the left-handed hitter gets way more at-bats. You know, that's, that's a fact. Um, Did you wind up playing for your high school team? Or were you just so anti-school you were like, fuck them, I'm staying? No, like, I, played for the, I played for the, the high school team. Um, not all four years, but I did play for the high school team. And okay. uh, it, and that's okay. You know, of all the sports, baseball had the freaks. I mean, you don't have to be an athlete to be on the baseball team. We You, you could be a, an overweight guy. First base. Just, First base is made for you. <laughs> correct. Or you could squat behind the plate. Or you could even right. come out of the bullpen. I mean, we have... You're, you're kind of misfits play baseball. I noticed like a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, it was more democratic on the baseball team. There were dorks on the baseball team, you know? Well, um, yeah. Cause it's not like basketball and football, man. Correct. It, it, it's so much more skill prevalent. Now, Lord help you. If you get the physical freak with the skill, like that, that that's the Ken Griffey jr. Kind of yeah. stuff. But, no one, you know, there's no, and there's nobody going to watch baseball games at your school unless you guys are in like the states or yeah, something. Who no, goes to watch true. a baseball game? Nobody. You know, they go to they go. They'll watch basketball. They'll watch the football games. Oh, no one gives oh, a shit. Actually, do you know who normally? Baseball? You know who normally goes to the baseball games? The local Catholic priest. Oh, the <laughs> You bring it all around, bring it back around <laughs> to the those damn Roman Catholics with their 1.4 billion buying up. They got plenty of time. Tickets. Yeah, they got plenty of time. They go in, they sit at the bleachers, they say they're out there helping, spreading the word, and really they're just hoping that you got a pair of extra small tight pants. <laughs> yeah, and then you, you come home, you're like, oh, you sold all your chocolate bars for the team? Yeah, the, yeah. Father Moore brought them, bought them all. Father Moore bought all the chocolates. <laughs> He's really supportive. Oh, He's my ass hurts. <laughs> Why are you limping, honey? No, no reason. I'm going to my room. Not limping. <laughs> it's not a baseball injury. injury. The sports injury, I exactly. swear. Exactly. Man, that, oh, God. Did that, I, I didn't mean to sidetrack you, but I just like talking about that earlier, it popped into my head, like that image of just like creepy ass priests sitting on like the first baseline or trying to like every once in a while, like creeping their way into the dugout to like, oh my, did you pull your hammy? And like, they, they just happen to have like icy hot in their pockets, you know? <laughs> I got icy hot in my pocket. <laughs> right? Like, no, 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 I got a stretch band. Do you need a yeah. stretch band? Partner assisted stretch? I got you. Oh no, no, a really good way to get that knot out. Just turn over, you know, like, and then all yeah, of a sudden, yeah. like the school trainer's like, who the fuck is that 50 year old balding with the mustache? Why is he always in the dugout? <laughs> And then they're like being chased way. away. They're just taking off down the right field fence, hopping it, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. God, that I'm going to hell. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too, buddy. Right. We're going to hell. Hey, okay, sure. Fine. Oh man. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from that. I didn't I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's so did you try to go like college with the baseball thing? Or was uh, it over in well, high school? I I 
I just physically never evolved enough to play college ball, man. I just stayed, you know, five foot seven, 125 pounds. And I just couldn't, you know, it just wasn't going to happen for me physically. Um, I would have, if I had, I mean, I could have with, uh, maybe getting a personal trainer and an insane, uh, program. Right. Could have, could have maybe built a, a, a Jose Altuve, Altuve body. Uh, is that his name? His yeah. first name is the yeah, cheater. Altuve. The cheater. Uh, the Mr. It's not a microphone. Yeah, yeah, Mr. It's not a microphone cheater. Yeah, that guy's body, like he's a tiny dude. Yeah, he's, he's fucking beefy. packs it in. That he's like been, Kevin Hart. Dude. Yeah, that that would have me that would have taken like crazy dedication and work to get to that guy's level. And even then, I mean, how many guys that size can make it to the yeah. pros? It's just so fucking rare. I mean, that guy is gifted at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. Although he cheated, he, the fact that he's made it to the major leagues being that size is like pretty impressive. You know, it's like he's like the Muggsy Bogues of like, you yeah. know, MLB. So that was, I mean, I, I just couldn't, I just did not grow, man. I just didn't grow. I just stayed this scrawny little tiny kid and I just didn't evolve. So I just knew at the, I had to give it up at that point. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, so oh, then- I'm never going to play college ball. So then you turn into the stereotypical, always pissed off, angry Northeasterner. Because your dreams are shattered. Yeah, well, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I pivoted really. I, I, I enjoyed, um, you know, I had always enjoyed music, and I, I had picked up the guitar, and I would kind of screw around with that. So I, I ended up, um, shit, dude. I ended up, I ended up playing music, um, out of high school, getting a job, and playing music, and uh, singing mostly, but uh, you know, playing Holy a little shit. guitar. Dude, and you are but one the of beginning, the, most the beginning of my people. kind of entertainment career had happened instead of that, and then you know, and I played an, an, in an adult baseball league in in New England as well. Oh, dude, after I was, high school, I was I, I I almost said it, and I had forgotten when I started just getting those preachers, or I shouldn't say preachers, those priests, um, in my mind. But yeah, you had to like just tear up some fucking softball leagues or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still tearing up softball leagues right now. Oh, no way. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been playing. I haven't stopped playing. I was on. I was just on two teams here. I'm typically on at least two teams. Um, in New York City, I was on at one point six teams at the same time. Holy shit, dude! Oh yeah, I was playing softball five, six days a week in New York City. And yep. like, just not working, collecting welfare. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I was working <laughs> as a, as a comedian and an actor, which ends up being you know very you 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 know not too many hours a day. You right. Know? you're doing that. I mean, I'm working at night as a comic and, um, I might have auditions during the day or, um, recording voiceovers or whatnot, but I had a lot of spare time as, as being a, an actor comedian. Right. Uh, so during the summer months I would, I was playing a lot of, a lot of softball and they, and it's different in NYC. They play this thing called modified, which is like, a it's a medium fast softball. It's uh it's not arc, but it's not fast pitch. You're allowed to, uh, you're allowed to, do a half windmill, not even, you can't do a full windmill when you pitch. You can bring the ball up as far as your ear and whip it in. Okay. Uh, but you would be surprised at how fast you could get that ball in. Um, despite that li- that limited arm motion, like people could really still whip it in. So I was playing modified softball, which really only seems to be a thing in, in the New York area. I've never seen it anywhere else. Um, and I was, yeah, yeah, I was playing a shitload of that and just ripping it up, winning championship after championship. I was championship. about to say, like, how competitive does that get? Oh, depending on the league that you're in, extremely competitive, yeah. So there's, I would play on some co-ed teams, not, you know, still competitive, but... But just to have some beers, maybe meet some ladies. 
Yeah, like meet some ladies. Um, and then the, the all-male teams, though, um, some of them are, like, uh, ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I played on one team where we played on a basket, a cement basketball court in, uh, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Holy shit. So hard top, fat, like semi-fast-pitch softball. And Fucking the, grounders the, just flying at you all in a Grounders bounce. flying Jesus. and, you know, dudes actually sliding on the what? pavement into bases, like, which blew, I, which blew me away. I That's never next did level. That, but next level. Next level. I mean, I'm talking like these guys, you know, there's a, there, there, there are some ballers there that are just, they just, all they do is play modified softball. They just play summer comes and these dudes are on like five, six teams, ringers. And they're just, it's very, it's very serious sport in uh in new york city did you train at all like are, are you like in the winter hitting up the gym working on whatever your lats or like some like quick twitch <laughs> shit so that you could like just swing better uh no, you know i i'm not doing that now uh the when i was uh when i was younger when i was in high school i did go to my share of um uh, baseball camps uh, i would save up my own money to uh do like a a, a week camp um, indoor, uh, usually, usually I pick something off the menu. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a month long camp. They're going to have fielding one week, hitting oh, one week. Yeah, this right. and, and I would just cherry pick a, a week off that normally it was hitting. I would pick cause I just loved hitting. So anything I could do to get better at hitting, yeah. um, I just did. So well, I would, I would do a week of hitting and, uh, you know, my stepdad would drive me, pick me up, et cetera. And uh, I would pay whatever the three hundred dollars for this week of getting taught by. Uh, usually, it was like a local college coach or something. It wasn't right. anybody special, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, something like that. And uh, I was doing a bit of that back then, and then picking up whatever le- like training I would learn from these camps and just applying it on my own at home. You know, yeah. so uh, I had a cleared out a space where I could swing a bat in inside in my house. Um, and I would do that every day, a hundred times lefty, a oh, hundred times righty. Man. I mean, I was doing that almost every day. Like hitting uh, balls off the tees kind of a thing. Or you, did, did you have one of the cool things where, um, and I thought it was a wiffle ball thing where it was like air pressure where you step down and then the ball popped up in the air. Oh, I've seen those. You yeah. Know what no, I'm I saying? didn't have those. I wasn't hitting any, any, objects in in the house um that just that was prohibited just taking the swings is is good you know if you could just get a bat and, and swing a hundred times a day i mean that that'll keep you sharp you wow know, really working on your working on your swing oh yeah for sure and then doing uh strengthening exercises for the hips and the, you know there's all sorts of little exercises you can do for uh to strengthen the the sort of muscles that are used specifically for baseball because they are different muscles yeah Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm strengthening my throwing arm by putting a band on the on the doorknob or, or above the door jam and just doing those exercises with the band to strengthen my 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 rotator cuff and you know, this kind of shit. Yeah. I was doing a lot of that. Um, and you know, I mean, I had no friends really. Really, I mean, I was a loser. I'm at home alone. So you know, this is what I was doing. <laughs> right. Is is this like pre-internet or is this post-internet? It's a pre-internet. Yeah, see, and I think that's what's getting lost on the society, man. Because I think now when kids are bored, they don't do shit to make themselves better. And you know what? This podcast has just turned into a bash of the youth, and I apologize to them. (laughs) But fucking get off the internet and do something. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I guess you're right. I mean, when you didn't have that, you couldn't really dick around all day. I mean, if I had 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 that, it would have been detrimental to me for sure because I just would have – 
um, hours on YouTube, man, TikTok, fucking Twitter. You're, you're, I, I would have 48 burner accounts just going around pissing different people off uh-huh. as like these I pretend been, characters. Yeah. See, for me, I would have been, I would have been talking to girls. That's what it would have been spent more time trying to get with girls, which would have been problematic. I think, I mean, at the same time, I would have benefited from the instructional videos that are available yeah. to, to learn. I, dude, I've thought to, about that too. How, learn how to be a better ball player, et cetera, right. et cetera. That stuff's just, that's like gold on there. Dude, right? it's I didn't amazing have that. how much free information. You talk about $300 camp. You wouldn't even really have to go to a camp. You could, you no, and your you boys wouldn't. could go so out I, and field Yeah, I would not have had to have gone to a camp. I could have just set that up at home and figured it out for sure. And and I could have learned from people that are probably semi-pros even oh, on easily. there. Oh, sure. easily. Easily, dude. Know? Yeah, that, Rather that's... Than you know, some community college coach or some bullshit, you know? Yeah, no, that's, um, that, that's one advantage that I do get a little um, upset about. Cause I'm nothing athletic. Um, I jog or whatever I work out, but I wasn't like any kind of sports guy, but I feel like with my mentality, had I been, had I been exposed to instruction, like I would have done the shit, like I would have done the drills instead of just going to the playground and like having no idea how to get better at my left hand for a layup. Like I would have been going through drills. I'd have been setting up cones. Yeah, um, it, for sure. Yeah. Um. So let me ask you this because I know we're somewhat limited on time, man. About how much more time can you give me? Like you want to do a half an hour? All right, perfect. It just helps cool. me to space out because I wanted to hear about the pivot to music as well. Um, oh, sure, yeah. So like are you now the young guy singing at a bar that all the priests are going to to see? Is that <laughs> – I'll just keep weaving that in there because I just yeah, get a kick Irish out of clubs. it. Oh, Father Mulcahy, <laughs> sitting up close at the front row with the band once again, I see. <laughs> Blessing all the wine, are you? <laughs> oh, yes, Father. <laughs> Following the lead singer to the restroom again, are you? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, yeah, I was a young guy in a cover band, you know, this kind of thing was happening. Oh, no way. What kind of songs? Well, we covered a lot of Pearl Jam and oh, nice. uh, classic rock. You know the kind of the kind of typical classic rock that you hear up in New England. You know it's very popular there. <laughs> yeah, I think in the Northeast, so, to be honest with you, man, like Pearl Jam yeah, and so. the Nirvana scene, like the grunge came um, and we fucking embraced it wholeheartedly. Oh yeah, I, I, I was into it as well. Um, so you know, we would cover Zeppelin and Skinner and. Uh, uh, you know, uh, what, what else? Stone Temple Pilots, of course. Uh, Rage? Did you get into Rage at all? No, you know, these guys wouldn't, they didn't do that. Uh, you know, I don't think I had a, I don't think my guitar player was capable of doing such weird shit. Um, yeah, I would have liked there. to do that for sure. I, I had pitched, I pitched Beastie Boys as well, but they weren't really, I wasn't in charge so much of choosing the songs, unfortunately, in this band. Um, although I would have loved to. Uh, yeah, you, but I was okay with this. You know, there was there was enough Zeppelin in there to keep me satisfied. You know, I, I, I am a huge Zeppelin fan, so I, I love that. I love that. Man, I'm trying to get my daughter. So we live again resort town. So sometimes we get traffic, and we have a Jeep. So like top down, sun out, fucking got some classic rock on there. And um, Doors and Zeppelin, I'm playing, and she's like, Daddy, can't you just put on Hotel California again? That one's so oh, nice. Which it, it is. It's a great song, but she is just not buying in to the zeppelin at all and i'm it's not like i'm a huge or was a huge zeppelin guy but that shit fucking hits man like that's some great music to just ride to oh yeah man i'm a, I'm, I'm really into zeppelin and uh yeah so i, I would have done all zeppelin if i could have <laughs> so, but yeah we did a lot of classic rock and it was just a lot of playing at stupid bars around uh massachusetts and new hampshire southern new hampshire making like 
150 a guy. Dude, that's show. great. That's um, got to be great money, though, huh? Yeah, you know, you know, I worked a full-time job as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, lived at home, worked a full-time job, paid my parents a little bit of rent, um, had a car, and uh, just started making money and saving money. Just saving money. I didn't know for what. I just thought, hey, why don't I just make some money and put it away? I never had money before. Yeah. What? What did I? What did I? Um, of course, I'd spend a little bit of it foolishly, but for the most part, I saved it. Um, foolishly on clothes, or foolishly on women that you knew would never lead to anything good. Yeah, there was a bit of that. You know, taking ladies out to dinner and stuff. <laughs> just figuring that. You know, I'd never really done the dating thing so you, you you learn and 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 oftentimes you learn by losing you losing some money in the deal right um, <laughs> but you know i was okay with it you know um i bought dinner i spent time with a beautiful woman and like i guess that was a that was a acceptable trade off at the time <laughs> it's uh, a harder <laughs> i didn't go you know i was spending a, a, a quite a bit of money on marijuana at the time as well and you know uh, that can get expensive as well Dude, for I, sure yeah I man, it's, I mean, I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was smoking a lot of weed at that time. At that time, well, don't you kind of have to? Like, isn't that the the thing to do if you're in the band? You got to get blazed. You got to jam out. Like, it's what yeah, we yeah. So yeah, that's the thing, you know. And this is where I'm introduced to it for the most part. I mean, I had come across it a couple times in high school, but not not so much. And so, out of high school, the band, and then you know, marijuana became a thing. Um, and, and it was something that I was doing daily, um, back then. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how I was spending my time saving money. What were you like when, when you smoked back then? Did you get more quiet? Did you get more funny? Did you get more anxious, more self-conscious? Like, what were you like as a little stoner? <laughs> I thought I was funny. I'd like to think I was funnier. Yeah. Funnier and hungrier. That seemed to be it. Still not putting uh, it on weight. It wasn't until I got older that I, the, that I would smoke and get paranoia, which still occasionally happens to me. Um, I don't know what the trigger is for that. I guess if I smoke a certain strain and certain amount, I will get that way uh, once, in a, once in a while. I never, from what I remember, ever really felt that way back then. I don't know. Maybe I was. Yeah. Kids are just more responsibilities. Exactly. I, I guess I wasn't. I guess I wasn't in a in any sort of headspace to really worry about anything. So every high was was okay, right? You know, when you're young and carefree. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I think you nailed it, man. The responsibility in life can just trip you out sometimes, and you fucking I, start worrying. You know, like Jesus, I could get a DUI. Like you don't think about that shit as a kid. Or no, I, no, you certainly don't. I guess right? DWI uh, it would be. Yeah, I think you nailed it right there. Uh, yeah, I saved I saved a bunch of money, and um, which became helpful because I moved to New York City. Um, and and that's a very expensive place, so that all that ended up being uh, that ended up working out for me, socking away a little bit of cash. Um, can I? Because I, I I discovered stand up comedy, uh, you know, when I'm like twenty twenty one years old, uh, a, a a guy that uh that I knew would, had tried it out, and um, you know, we were. We were we like to fancy ourselves artists. He was trying to be the comedian, a friend of mine, and I was doing the music thing. And then I ended up going to one of his open mics and watching him. And um, I'm like, wow, this is just I could totally do this. This is terrible. Everybody's terrible. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever been to a comedy open mic, it's just it's just a train wreck, you know. Yeah. Uh, I had already been comfortable on stage. I was in a band for you know a year or two, so I I. 
I was like, well, I can get on stage, get on the mic. Um, Were you lead singer in the band? Yeah, I was the singer oh, in the band. Dude, how do you not get to fucking pick the the songs if you're the lead singer? Because I I was the the newest member. Is oh, what happened? And, I call you know, bullshit. And it was really this guy, this guy Paul. Um, I forget his last name. Paul was kind. It was kind of his thing. He Paul he, who makes playlists on Spotify that nobody yeah, actually Paul, listens. This guy and he <laughs> sang backup on a lot of the tracks. So he and and rhythm guitar and, and to him he he felt that he deserved more input in choosing everything. And he bought the van. That was uh, his van that, yeah. that brought all the equipment and stuff. So he was kind of a keys. little bit more invested um, into the band as far as equipment went. And the, of course the van. And so he just kind of pushed his weight around in that department. And what um, was the band name called? <laughs> uh, ra- uh, Random Access. Great name. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool name. Random Access. Yeah. We played in such uh, uh, such high level places as Waltham, Mass. <laughs> <laughs> sellout? Was it a sellout? <laughs> Clancy's Pub in Woburn. <laughs> now you know you made it if you're a cover band that's playing and a cover is actually being charged to the people coming in. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, right. When so, the cover's being charged, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like the then, places then you made it. The places that you were playing, was there an actual cover to come see the cover band, or? I, uh, I guess it, um, it depended on the on the on the deal and the venue. I guess some places they would just pay us a flat rate and allow the people to come in for free. Other places we would work a door deal if they ordinarily didn't have a band. Okay. Work a work a door deal. Um, Industry term inside. So it was a, it was a mixed bag of of those things. Gotcha. Uh, and then, so, dude, how do you get to New York then? You're just tired of the band scene or you've met someone online and you're like, hell, I'm going all in chips to the center of the table. Well, no, I started doing stand up comedy and I met these comedians and, and uh, the next progression as a comedian in Boston was to move to New York. A lot of my I saw like uh, I'm a year into it and my friends are going going to New York just for a weekend to do comedy. I'm like, really? You can do that? So I did that. I tried, oh, I'll go to New York for a weekend and do do a couple shows. And I was like blown away by the place. You know, I had never stepped foot in New York City before. Um, just like the vibe or the density or the light? Like, like- everything about it. It's like it makes your head spin if you've never been there. You know, uh, the how crowded it is. The tall-ass buildings everywhere is urban, urban, urban. You know, the subway. Like, holy shit, you're just – it's just it blasts the senses, you know. And I just, I just was like, wow, this is whatever that place is. Like, I want to go. I want to go again, you know. So, so I go. I go again. I check it out, and then, and then I start thinking, you know, if 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 my peers are saying that this is the move to make, if you want to take, if you want to take your comedy to a whole new level, and and I, I kind of got to that place where I was, I was doing well with the comedy on stage. I, I knew how to get laughs and, and whatnot. Um, and I thought, wow, why not just why not just try this? I really like it, you know. I really liked it a lot. And fuck, who can just stick around Massachusetts? Why? Why? This was a way for me to get out of Mass as well. Make something of myself. You know, I had nothing holding me there. Dude, do you ever go back home at all? Yeah, of course. Okay, I just yeah. I, I was wondering if it like if it was that um, contentious of a relationship where you were just like, man, fuck that place, kind of a thing, or if you now appreciate it as a, I don't know, like almost like that gave you that competitive drive. I certainly appreciate it. I would never live there um, again. I, 
of course my family's still there and I enjoy going home to see them. And, uh, and, and New England is quite beautiful. Uh, (laughs) I know it's kind of a loaded question. Like I'm not asking you to shit on a place. I didn't mean it like that at all. And I wasn't trying to, but like some (laughs) people, man, they just don't enjoy, um, like, like they they just don't want to go back home because they do have this ambition of like, I can't make it here. I can only make it there, wherever the there is. And then that's where they go. Going home can almost be like a, um, a reminder of like, God, like no wonder I don't live here. Oh yeah. I mean, I do think that when I, I mean, I, 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 when I would go back from New York city, I would be like, wow, this is like, this was ridiculous. What was I doing in Massachusetts? But I mean, I got out rather early. I mean, I could have stayed longer. I suppose it's, I'm I'm grateful that I left when I did. Um, but I could totally see like, wow, this totally isn't my speed. You know, um, I'm a, I seem to be built for like a a busy city and stuff. It seemed to, I, I, I responded well in the, in the New York environment. Um, you know, I, and I mean, I was just much, much happier. It was so much more fun. Right. Um, yeah, man. What are the I, trips? I, made, I made so many friends and it was like a place where like, I still look to New York as that's where most of my friends are, you know? Oh, really? Not, not Massachusetts. No. Like no. through just doing the comedy and having to like network with people to find out where to perform, where's an open uh, mic? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you go there and you make friends with the comics and they become your your friends and you know you you're they're your co-workers but they're also your friends i just you, that's what's great about comedy it's such a, a such like a, a brotherly and sisterly um organization it seems on some level that um you uh, you immediately upon being accepted you you now have friends that you can you can call up for lunch or you can hang out after a show with get a drink uh, you can confide in. I mean, mm. comedians are like this special kind of breed, like vampires or something. Like we get it. Only, only we kind of get it. We, we, you know, we're we're unique people. Uh, very alienated outside, living mostly outside the culture. It seems. Well, most of us are cultural critics. We do that in our act. Right. We question everything. Um, we're very iconoclastic. Very like the rage against the machine mentality i think you get a lot with with comics on some level and so you know they're really the only we're really the only people that understand each other so you know we kind of have to hang out with each other can uh, i ask you so like what is there a typical like 10 15 minute like like if you're trying to make a and i don't even know what to call it not an act right or a set yes uh well, yeah, you would do your set. Okay, it, yeah, right. Which is so, usually, it's usually a jumble of your bits. Your okay, jokes. so you turn bits into a set. Is there a typical time for sets, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Uh, it depends on, on the show format. Uh, so, okay. um, you know, if you're just on a, what's what's called a showcase, which is what you normally find in New York and Los Angeles, um, it'll be seven, eight comedians doing like eight minutes each or something. Okay. Um, So then that helps me because I'm wondering like how much time and effort thought, and you don't have to tell on yourself if you don't want to, but like eight minutes of comedic performance takes how much like writing and trial and error and like time in front of a mirror or whatever. Well, I mean, uh, you know, most of us don't do the mirror thing, but, um, Oh, I'm the only one that does that. Yeah. You're the only one that that does that. Loser. Um, No wonder I'm still in Delaware. (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 i mean it's different for everybody uh but 
most comics will, I think, in general tell you to get a strong 10 minutes of material. It could take you six months of getting on stage Holy almost shit, almost every night. Why? That, that's such a poor return on investment in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, Jesus, why, why? How come? If you have a theory about it. Like, why does it take six months of trying the, this bit out or this set out to just get 10 solid minutes? Uh, well, it's uh, partly because of the difficulty in getting in front of live crowds. So, uh, that's a that's a, a speed bump. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, in Los Angeles, it's it's difficult to get up up in front of a crowd. So the crowds are all at the comedy clubs here. When 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 someone wants to go to a comedy show, they go to the comedy uh, the comedy store or the laugh factory because they want to see people that have been on television and that's an easy way to see people that have been on television is to go to those comedy clubs. Well, the result the fallout of that is every single comedian wants to be on those stages. And you can't just put any comic on those stages. You have to put comics on those stages uh, that are recognizable because your clientele is going there for that. They want the name. So, yes, exactly. So uh, they'll put uh, David Spade on without any jokes before they'll put me on with jokes ready to go. Gotcha. That, I mean, yeah. Because that would uh, tell there, the are, there are periphery comedy shows and comedy rooms in Los Angeles as well. Uh, normally, they're, they struggle to get a crowd because of they're not – the big three, the comedy store, the improv, or the laugh factor. They're not the big three. So they struggle to bring bring bodies in. And if you're not getting the audience, then you're not really getting the reaction or the feedback to your bits in order to understand, oh, this shit's good. I'm keeping it. Oh, this is shit. I'm flushing it. That's exactly the problem. So uh, in order to, in order to flush one joke out, you might you have to probably like if like a one Five minute joke, man. I need to get up in front of like twenty crowds. Well, gotcha. like twenty twenty decent crowds. I'm not talking six people in in a coffee shop. Right. So, like, I could do the bit for six people in a coffee shop, record it, and I hear maybe I'll hear some laughs on something, and I can kind of get an idea of what might be working, but I still am not quite sure. Yeah. Um, you got to get it up in front of another crowd, and then you're gonna be wrong. Uh, you, you know, the first, your first few ideas with the bit are go not going to all, they're not going to all work. There's always going to be shit that falls flat. So the editing process that goes into it again. So you, you take the bit back to your notebook and you go, okay, well the beginning didn't work, but the middle worked. Let me try a yeah. new beginning, a new end. Here's the middle. We'll stay the same. It's just then such you get a up, cycle. Then you like hope, then you hope to get up in front of another quality crowd that you can trust that you can trust their reaction is genuine and you say okay well the some of the beginning works the middle still works the end is a shit show got to do it again so you can see how this process could take time and then i might i might have it ready to go and then i get to the show and they're like ah sorry man we don't have much of a crowd it's just going to be you telling jokes to the comedians Are you okay with that yeah okay i'll just do it and then you know now i'm telling jokes to comedians this happens all the time oh uh, really and, huh. and then you're like they're not gonna the comedians don't give a fuck they're gonna laugh at whatever part of my joke doesn't work usually because <laughs> they're like mocking you or something yeah yeah so you're not going to get a genuine gauge on what what's working with them as your crowd either the open mics are pretty lame in general because it's it's mostly just comedians sitting on their phone so it's hard to get gotcha. it's hard to that makes gauge. Sense. 
it's hard to test your material there. So just the testing of the material takes months and months to get a solid uh, chunk of time ready to go. I would say so, man, you almost need like, um, and I've seen it in Mad Men where you have like the glass mirror and you have like the focus groups. Oh, sure. You know, or like if you could go to like a college university where they do like the psychological tests and shit and you like pay kids like $5 to come in and it's like, you know, like, Hey, come on in. I'm going to experiment on you with jokes. Yeah. I mean, a focus group for jokes, that would be tremendous. Um, the problem is no, you know, young comedians, young comedians that need these focus groups can't afford to pay, right. you know, 20 bucks a head for people to go yeah. to the show. You know what I mean? It's just, it becomes, it's problematic. So um, yeah, stage time, if you're in a, if you're in one of these, one of these cities that is inundated with comedians like LA or Chicago or New York, there's a lot of comedians here fighting for the stage time. So you're, you know, you, your your battle for stage time is is real. Is and, it and is it like the Anchorman battle when Ron Burgundy takes on the other news? Show? <laughs> <laughs> they fight him in the alley. <laughs> the bats and the chainsaws and fucking oh, yeah, tridents so and funny. spears. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really funny. I love that idea. That would you know, be... I would love to see that. Well, you know, one of the things you can do to offset this is something that I've done many times is you produce your own comedy show. You know, now you're creating your own stage time. Oh, ah, okay. Uh, so before the pandemic went went bananas over here in LA, well, I should say before I before I left for my my for to go to Asia, I was in Asia from January twentieth until March tenth. Oh 10th. Jesus, yeah, man. See, an hour and a half with you is just not going to be enough. But I'll respect it. Yeah, we'll keep it. <laughs> we'll, we'll hit the two hours. Let's just do it. Uh, so before I went on the tour in Asia, I mean, I'm really having a good time. Uh, before I went on the sh- to the show uh, to the to Asia to do shows, um, I had I had created this little brand and I had done several shows. I was living in downtown LA, so I created a thing called the Downtown LA Comedy Social. What I would do is I would call luxury apartments in downtown LA. There's a ton of them uh, cropping up. Shit. It's a very it's being developed very quickly. I mean, there's like new buildings going up all the time, and they all have these community spaces. Some of them even have a theater. You know, they're very. Right well put together luxury building yeah posh as hell they cost upwards of 600 to a million to a billion dollars to put these things up so i would call just cold call these 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 buildings and be like hey um i'm a local comedian in downtown la i run the downtown la comedy social we put on free shows uh in luxury apartment buildings in downtown LA for the residents. I, I, we've never done a show at your building before. I was just calling to see if you'd be interested in putting on a free show for your residents. So I provide the sound. Smart. I provide the sound system and the comedians. Would you be interested? And so I had gotten maybe five buildings to agree to do these shows, five or six buildings. Dude, that's and I and it was kind of rolling where I was doing one show a month at each building. Now I. I didn't. I wasn't getting paid. I hadn't got there yet, but I would. I would pass a tip bucket around, and yeah. I would put my Venmo on the side of it. So, like, if you guys like the show, throw in some money. You can Venmo so that I can give the comics some gas money. And I was pulling in. I don't know. Sometimes I would make two hundred a show, and I would just. I would pay the comics, and then I would keep the rest. And I was building up to a place where I. I could. I was hoping to get to the place where I would ask these apartment managers um if they could give me a budget so i can get better comedians and then i would spin that into just a flat fee every time so now i'm making 300 per show i get 10 buildings 20 buildings a month 
next thing you know, I'm building this up and I got this whole thing. Not only am I getting stage time, but I'm giving stage time to other comics, which is helpful. And I'm giving them cash money, you know what I'm saying, which is for gas. And that's helpful because a lot of us do shows for nothing in and around L.A. It's hard to get paid in Los Angeles proper. You know, most shows are comedians are doing for free, even at some of the clubs, you know, so. That was really – I had some momentum there. It was going well. And then, of course, this fucking pandemic came, and uh, that, that, all, that all went away. I, I, would like to, I would like it to come back. I still have my contacts at these buildings, and I'm hoping, to, I'm hoping they still have their jobs. Oh, dude, I bet you crazy. they'd be – I bet you they'd be dying for it, right? Like people are going to so want to go out and have just a good, relaxed time. Yeah, and you know, and without going out, I, I would think too, without – without really taking that further leap to go out to a comedy club with 200 seats, they yeah. might want a little show of 50 people back in their building first. Yeah. Cause you're um, kind of around them anyway, right? Like you're awkwardly in the elevator with them. You're at the fucking dog park or whatever. Yeah. You, you know, know, and you just make it, if you're doing it in your building, you just make it, you make the rules, you know, everybody, you know, everybody wear a mask. This is how we'll do it. Make sure you let all your tenants know, please bring a mask. We'll set up the chairs, you know, six feet apart, et cetera, et cetera. You could really control it in one of those apartment. Dude, uh, how'd you come up with that? idea were you just walking by one of those things one day i just kept seeing how um how these these luxury buildings kept popping up you know and i had i had gone to a couple because i knew people that lived in them and they had i noticed like one of them had a theater like, what the fuck you got a theater that's crazy <laughs> um, they're like yeah if you ever want to do a comedy show i'm like what really that's fucking oh, nuts wow. uh, uh, <laughs> can i get know, a key and, fob and, what's what's the code <laughs> i'll be yeah, here tomorrow exactly. <laughs> and then they and they all have these um and they all seem to have these events. I had gone to an, an event at somebody's apartment. They're like, hey, why don't you come? We're having an event. I'm like, what, what kind of event? Ah, you know, the, the apartment just – it's a fucking rich building. They have money. They give us – they throw us yeah. – uh, they throw us a pool party one Friday out of the month, and they provide free beer and wine and cheese for the tenants. Right. And I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, they have a budget. I'm like, wow. And I'm thinking, wow, these people got budgets too. They could, Dude, it's a great could, selling point if you think about it. Like monthly yeah. comedy show. Come live here. Right, and you'll be entertained right here. No need to Uber. Be no need to Uber. Yeah, right there, and the, and if the place provides free snacks and booze, I mean, these people come out, man. You know, oh, the, dude, the, the tenants come out, and so I thought that would be cool. And yeah, that uh, sounds you know, so great. That, and and, and it sounds so I... almost like localized too, where where it gives you that sense of community and like speciality. If you're living there, it's like wow, we have our own comedy show in our own building, and maybe we actually get to see some of our own people around. Oh yeah, you get to meet people in your building, so it's a, it's totally a social thing. And and I and I and I was bringing some d- decent comics, comics you'd meet. I got friends who have been, who got Netflix specials, who have been on television, and I I brought them down. And so people were like, "Oh shit, I've seen this guy on Netflix." I'm like, "That's right." Tell your friends, you know. <laughs> uh, so actually, we yeah. have a special Venmo Netflix button. That's a mandatory thirty dollar donation. <laughs> yes, yes, pay us, please. We came to you. <laughs> Dude, that's so hard. And, and it's something for artists. And I, I've spoken to a couple different um, painters on this podcast. And um, they've always dealt with the whole Instagram social media posting thing. Because once you post, you lose almost all profitability on your intellectual content. And yeah, it's right. so hard for artists who do it because you know they love what they're doing. But at the same time, it's like, motherfucker, I'd like to earn a living that's comfortable. And, and it's like a weird quandary for them. How to promote themselves, how to make the money, how not to like beg, but to be like, you can't leave a dollar, man. That's fucking offensive. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. My, my painting's worth more than 10 bucks, dude. You know? And it, it's 
it's it, it to me hearing that like it really sounds like a neat ingenious idea on how to try to add some profitability on a real grassroots level. Yeah, I mean, I had the, I had laid it all out. I'm like, okay, if I'm making a hundred bucks a show and I do three a week, um, you know, that's an extra blah blah per month. And yeah. I really had I really had these kinds of aspirations, and I was pounding the phones all the time, just doing. I was cold calling these buildings, yeah, yeah. asking for the building manager, you know. And just I had my script, and I was just doing the script. Fucking telemarketing. I, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then I had a follow-up email that I sent to them, sent to them with the info. I cut and paste that. So I was just blasting these things out and then doing follow-up calls because they always forgot. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, the comedy guy. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great idea. Let's let's schedule for next month. We'll try one. Right. You know, so the, you know, it was, I was hustling with that. I thought it was a good – I guess um, – and where did I come from for that? Oh, yeah, I was telling you. Yeah, producing your own comedy show, that's a way to get stage time as well. Yeah. yeah. No, that's way better, dude, because now you're you're in control of it. Correct. And, you can actually give you can tell you can you're in control of how much time you'd like to do on the stage. You're not you're not subjected to somebody just going, Hey, could you just do five minutes, please? We're backed up. Jesus. You know? Does yeah, it really can, get that you, small? Like it seems so hard to get it's almost like having sex with no foreplay yeah. at five minutes at that point. I mean, I can't stand that, you know, I, I, I hate doing just the five minutes set. I can't get any work done. You know, I want to get laughs in five minutes. So I'm going to just tell a joke I've already told because I can't, you know, I can't have any fun at all. I can't take a risk. It's only five minutes. Yeah. Dude, if, I do, seems... if I try, you can't, in other words, I can't try a new joke in five minutes because that takes up all my five minutes. And if the joke, I don't know if the joke's going to land. If it doesn't land, you just... It just looks like I'm a shitty comic up right? there for five minutes. And like how the fuck do you like even set anything up in that short of a time? Wow. I had no idea it could be that short. Yeah, you know, I guess it depends on the style of comedy you do. If you do shorter jokes, you could do a few. Um, I, my jokes tend to run quite long. Each of them is about five minutes. So for me, it's a challenge. I got to choose which one to do, you know. Uh, so – uh, but not everybody writes longer bits like I do. So yeah, it depends on the kind of comic that you are. Gotcha. Yeah, I um I remember um my first comedy thing was Adam Sandler. We came across this CD of Adam Sandler, and I it I it was like this bit where it was like, dude, buddy, bloody buddy, and like I I don't remember it was like guys on a train and they fucking wreck or something. And then like there's this other bit where like this guy goes into like a therapist and they talk about his like pubic hair being a veritable force down there. And like <laughs> I have no idea what it was, but like me and my boys, dude, we'd fucking listen to that CD for hours and just crack the fuck up. Yeah, it wasn't stand up per se with these little audio sketches. Yeah, right. But but right. I listen to him and I'm like. And then, you know, whatever, like Eddie Murphy raw and like Goonie Goo Goo and fucking like Gus, you married Sasquatch. And like everything's a fucking five, 10 minute story setup, right? It, 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 it's, it's so artistic in how you have the beginning, middle and end. I can't imagine wrapping my head around like quick fire, boom, 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 boom type jokes. Yeah. You know, I, I often open for, or I was opening for a comic that that's his style. Um, it's pretty old school. Uh, short jokes like that. Um, you, I mean, you really think like you're stepping back in time when you watch this guy. Uh, but he 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 crushes, man. He's a crusher, and they work everywhere. 
and he just destroys. He fucking destroys. Just and fucking so, punchline after punchline instead of like. And, I mean, yeah, ain't nobody squeezing as many punchlines in in five minutes as this guy. I mean, he's Density. just hammering away, man, hammering away. I don't even know how he remembers them all. They're so short. I'm just like astounded. I've seen him do like an hour long set. I'm like, how the fuck do you remember all of those short oh, jokes? That's a great point, dude. Yeah. Do you ever yeah. get lost in your own head? Like you just start talking and you're like, what the fuck am I on right now? What What am I supposed hardly, to be for doing? Me, no, no, it hardly ever. Cause my jokes are kind of like, they, they, ha- they are like a story. So I'm kind of following the story. I got a beginning, middle and end. So I always know where I am. Um, Occasionally, I forget a line or something. Yeah, of course, of course. Especially if it's a new bit that I'm working out, and I don't want to bring notes on stage. I'll just try to remember the new parts, and I'll, I, and I'll occasionally forget some of the new parts of the bit. Um, but um, yeah, I don't get totally lost anymore. Um, it would be so, and I don't want to say it's boring. So, and just to give you context, like, so I I teach. And part of what I've always fought in teaching is like you have the same routine and you teach the same lesson four times a day. So like you get your P1 or you could do it six times a day. You get your P1 class, you teach your lesson, new kids, same exact thing. New kids, same exact thing. And like by the end of the day when I did that, my first year, I was like, I'm going to find a job where I do not repeat myself and do the same shit six times in one day. Yeah. yeah. How do you like, how do you keep it? Because it's new to me as an audience member, right? But for you, this yeah. could be like the 50th, 60th time you're doing it. And I'm not saying that you get bored, but it has to be kind of hard to like keep the energy up with that stuff that you're repeating. Or is it not? It's hard. It's hard to make it sound fresh. And you know what, you know what audiences, audiences really, especially that have grown up around reality television, they want to feel like this is a unique moment. Right that's coming about naturally conversationally and it's spontaneously happening right then and there for them. Like they don't, they don't want it to feel like so much as a performance. um, I've noticed over the, over the years, that's kind of been the trend where more naturalistic comedy, if you'll notice like stand up, you'll, you know, my, the guy that does one-liners is even out of the ordinary, right? Because you're like, okay, this is an act. You know, you're watching an act, right? Yeah. But the guy, the, the whole, uh, hey guys, you know, hey, hey, but I digress. Hey, uh, <laughs> anyways, talking to my wife, right? My wife, you know, like this kind of kitschy, unnatural way of speaking. It the audiences don't respond to that. They want to. They want you to be natural, believable conversational which is uh, so like anti going to a fucking concert and whatever watching yeah. Pearl Jam like you don't think fucking Pearl or I took my daughter to Taylor Swift concert like Taylor Swift on back to back nights she's fucking putting out a hundred shows in 120 yeah. days like shit yeah. and original but everyone That's eats hard. it up everyone eats it up and it's funny That's that hard. comedy kind of went on that um comedy kind of wants that uniqueness like it's not expected that you've it's almost like you're cheating on them by giving your act to another audience <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, and, and to answer your question, it's, it's not easy. Um, it takes some acting, um, to make this sound like it's the first time it's coming out of my mouth. Right. Pauses. St- I'll, I'll even f- uh, purposely s- slur, t- stutter my words so that you, it, it gives the illusion of me saying it for the first time. Okay. Make it, make it sound as though it's improv. I've done all of these things. Um, and that can get, that can get tiresome. Um, 
Do you and, ever and like don't. pause anticipating the laugh because of the last audience and then like it's crickets? Oh yeah, sure. That occasionally happens. I mean, <laughs> jokes still don't land, you know? I mean, you got to imagine, the, you know, it depends on the crowd that you're, you're telling the jokes to. Everybody's comedy so subjective that it's, um, you know, it's, 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 I mean, a lot of comedians, they hate to, they, we hate to admit this, but man, come on. I mean, I'm not going to get the same crowd in Silver Lake, uh, Los Angeles, which is like a hipster neighborhood as I'm going to get, if I go to Vegas, it's just not going to yeah. be, I'm going to get in Vegas. I'm going to get people from middle America, mostly tourists, you know, right. not so bright, probably from a red state. That's my crowd over there. You know, are they going <laughs> to like all the shit I have to say? No. Does my buddy that I come with that has a Trump joke, does he get a groan when he does his Trump joke over there? Yes, oh, yes yeah. he does. They don't like to hear that. So what will he do? What will he do? He, he'll do what he should do. He Drop the bit next time. Don't do it there. Gotcha. The crowds are all, you've got to be able to pivot. All, not all crowds are the same. So yeah, we, we'll all, we all encounter this doing comedy. Hardly anyone could just do their act the same everywhere they go right. and get the same reaction. It's extremely rare. It's extremely rare. If you can do that, you're, you know, you're magical, man. You're, you're fucking magical and you're going to make a billion. You'll make a billion. <laughs> Kevin Hart's act can be enjoyed by all ages, all backgrounds. You know, it's a very silly, clean act. It, it, it easily digestible. It's not complicated. It's not that smart. It's uh, it can be enjoyed by all walks of life. Probably even people that, Barely speak English can enjoy a Kevin Hart show, you know. Oh yeah, Kevin Hart uh, and Friends, right? Like that's the thing. The, yeah, the facial, so, the facial expressions, and like the gesticulations, correct. just so correct. allow you to know, like, oh, now's the appropriate time to giggle. <laughs> I mean, that guy can, and that there's no mystery. That guy can write his check. You know, I don't do my my act isn't isn't like that. Um, yeah, but what was the original question? I forgot. I don't even know if there was an original question to be oh, honest okay, with you. Yeah. I was just like thinking about the keeping it fresh um, when you're repeating the same thing on top yeah. of like taking risks. And now like you got my mind thinking about the whole anticipating your typical audience. Like, man, there's so many fucking variables um, going into yeah. it. Really? Yeah, is. there's certainly. Um, so I, you know, a nice break from that is, uh, you know, I improvise so much on the podcast that it's a nice welcome from uh, my scripted, you know, stand-up act, um, you know, because I do, I do five-day-a-week podcasts. I'm, I'm improving every day for like 45 minutes. It's a good exercise. No, what, like do you go solo or do you bring people on and you're bouncing shit off of them? Totally solo. Totally Shut so. up, dude! You do forty-five minutes a day of you just fucking talking. Well, I mean, I guess that includes editing the, the podcast as well. But so, actually, the actual recording time, something sometimes I redo takes and whatnot. Probably oh, thirty minutes a day, dude. That's so me, much of me screwing around with the story, trying to make it funny, improving off the stories that I do. You know, I do weird news stories. I do three a day, so I'll do the I'll read the article or some of it. I'll do the voices of the people that are being quoted in the article. <laughs> That's so good. And sometimes the voices idea. don't even match. I'll be just like, I'll be like, you know, I'll do it. 
I'll, I'll do an Irish brogue over some nurse from Texas being quoted. And then I'll, and then I'll own up to it. I'll be like, I don't know why I did that. I just thought it would be fun. Uh, well, dude, what a great juxtaposition. Like, cause the, the language is so, would it be colloquial? Like only people in Texas say like Texas shit, right? People on the East coast say East coast shit. So if you mix correct. the accents up, that's fucking yeah. hilarious. Yeah. So I'll just kind of do goofy shit like that. And I'll improv you know, what's my take on this weird story out of Texas or, uh, you know, what, what's my, what's, how do, how can I relate to it? Maybe I have an anecdote right. myself that has something to do with this. And I really never know. I don't even look at, I don't even read the article before I start recording. I just pull it up. I hit, I hit record and I begin with the title and I just get into it and I give my, what my real time reactions as I come across the information. Um, Dude, that's... Now, of course, you know, sometimes I'm displeased with it and I'll just do it again. Um, right. But I'll usually improv it again. It won't be exactly the same that I did the previous take. Um, and then I'll just stop when I, when I, when I think I got it right. Uh, so, yeah, it's, you're just getting a, a very raw take of a comedian's uh, response to a weird news story from around the world. Where, whatever where do you get the news stories from? Is there a weirdnews.com? Are you subscribing to like a newsletter that sends this out? <laughs> well, I get most of them off Reddit okay. uh, and I get a large portion of them emailed to me from fans that come oh, across. No. How fucking yeah, I'm getting, cool is that? Yeah, they just started, I don't know, two years ago, they just started sending them to me. And now I just, now I'm like, hey, you can email it to me if you come across one or you can tag me on social media on some story that you think might be weird I should cover. And uh-huh. now they, they, they roll in every day. Well, and I should have asked this. Maybe if I was a um, good podcast host, I would have asked. What's the name of the podcast? Uh, Weird AF News. Weird AF News, dude. I fucking love that concept, Jonesy. Like, it's it, dude. Like, super Jesus, man. You've you really do come up with like real. I, I hadn't heard of them, but like creative, unique ways to just put yourself in position to get those reps, man. You know, like, yeah, again, swinging yeah, that baseball know, it, bat. You're just fucking getting those reps, dude. I, I mean, I didn't really, I, I don't know. I didn't really think the podcast would be this successful. I didn't really, I didn't have that much foresight. I just, I came across an opportunity to do this and just, and then stuck with it. And just now it's like the gym. I go every day. Right. I do this every day. Um, and if you stick with anything, I think, long enough, you'll you, you get some success no matter what it is. Yeah. Uh, so I'm getting better and better at it still. I'm still not, you know, and I listen, I listen to every episode as well, usually like the next day or that weekend, and, you know, and I, and I try to make improvements, you know, like, I, like I'm trying to not say the phrase, you know, like I say it so uh, much right. in my podcast. Um, I, I try to eliminate the ums, you know, so say so I did it again, you know, like I just, I can't right. stop saying these things. So I'm trying to get better at it. I still have room to grow. And, uh, I'm working hard at it all the time. Yeah. I had a guest, um, who, um, YV who wants to go internet anonymous because he's a 22 year old worried about losing a job opportunity because of something that might come up and piss someone off on social media, which is Mm -hmm. such like a hard place to be for youngins, man. Like I couldn't fucking imagine if I'd have had social media, like I wouldn't be a teacher. I don't think I'm passing a background check if I was able to post whatever as a kid, but 10, 15 minutes into the pod, he's like, I think I've said exactly like 12 times and I'm becoming self-conscious. Could you edit them? And I was like, I don't don't know if I'm going to like go back and find your exactly's and try to like parse out that second and a half. You're going to be fine, dude. Like, it's okay. We all have it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's asking a lot of you for sure. Uh, for um, sure. Jonesy, let me ask you this um, to end it because you've been more than gracious with your time, dude. So I end the podcasts and you're a storyteller, so you're probably going to love this. Take it in any direction you want. Let me get your best first for last. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. Um, I, I won the first karaoke contest I ever entered. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, back in New York City. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. Tell about that. $500, man. Pretty Holy sweet. shit. Yeah, man. I could. I, I used to be able to sing quite well. Uh, you know, my I haven't been doing it since I lived in LA so much. But uh, I used to be able to really. I really had some pipes, man. I could really do some crazy shit. I sang uh, "Midnight Train to Georgia," uh, which is uh, which, if you don't know, is uh, sung by Gladys Knight. It's a it's it's a, it's a woman. It's a woman with a high-pitched voice, and I, I, I used to be able to pull that song off in the original key uh, as a guy, which is unheard of, and I mean, I could just I could win any karaoke contest just by doing that, and, and so I was doing that in New York. I once paid my whole rent one month by winning karaoke contests, uh, and so yeah, I, I won this $500 karaoke contest from a bar in Times Square, which by the way... I, and I disagreed with this. They, they allowed the employees of the bar to also uh, enter. And these were like, oh, bullshit. Were like Broadway singers, like right? actors that had moved to New York that were now bartenders. Like this wasn't even fair. So you know? is there an entry fee to get on the stage? Uh, no, there was no entry fee. What? There was, yeah, there was no entry fee. So are you going there with the point, like the, you explicitly went there to win or you and like, you're just walking by and you're like, Oh shit, that'd be cool. Let me sign up. No, my, my friend who I had, I would, I would go to karaoke with this woman. Uh, we went to, a, we did a lot of karaoke together at the time. She was very into it. She, and, and she said, Hey Jonesy, you know that this is, this is contest. You, you just come with me. It's in Times Square. And, uh, she, we went and she did her, um, Oh, she would always do, uh, what's her name? The, the, uh, the woman who died of an alcohol overdose. Uh, uh, that still happens. Uh, me and Bobby McGee who sang that song. Me Is that Janis Joplin? Janis Joplin. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my friend was, dude, that's was another one Janis I'm Joplin. trying to get my daughter do, into. Oh man. She God. could do a spot on Janis impersonation. It was really good. And so she thought she had a real chance doing her Janis right? thing. And she did. She did. However, I mean, they weren't ready for me. Yeah, she wasn't as good as you. She wasn't. They weren't ready for this white boy to do Gladys Knight and just crush it. Um, And I was like, "Wow, karaoke contest, huh?" Where I'm from, it's not a thing. Apparently, in New York, it was a thing. So, Um, are you like Eminem stepping on stage where the whole audience is against you, or are you getting up on stage with Hella Swag? Oh no, I got up with Hella Swag for sure. sure. (laughs) I mean, I had done that song so many times. Like, I knew I could pull it off. You know, I had done it so many times. Uh, oh, so, and gotten standing ovations, standing O's at just random bars. Like people are like, what the fuck, you know? And how uh, did they measure winning? Or is it like a bar vote? Is it like a decibel cheer thing? There was three judges that were, oh. one of them, one of them claimed to be a, a contestant on star search or something. I don't know. I didn't recognize either of them. Uh, there were three judges and yeah, I can't remember exactly who they were. This was so long ago, man. This was like, Oh, six. 
it's like nuts, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a while ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. So my first karaoke contest just fucking crushed it. That was pretty cool. Dude, I had yeah. no idea the karaoke, like you could win that kind of money in a karaoke spot. Yeah, this was special, man. I, ne- I mean, I never saw a karaoke uh, grand prize that big ever again. Right. Man, this was like a special thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could yeah. understand like a steak dinner next time you come in or some shit. For sure, sure. You know, $500, man. Yeah, man. I thought that was like, I mean, I so thought that was something. Do you blow it that night or what do you do with that 500 I'd probably spend 100 at the bar, <laughs> uh, me, and my, me and my friend. Yeah, and then uh, and, and kept the rest, paid rent, that kind of thing, and, and then looked and then looked for more of these things. Yeah, like, dude, that's like, where do you fucking, find these? You yeah. know, looking online for these that's crack these right karaoke there. contests. Uh, and, and in New York, I mean, there's all these Broadway singers. So just that's there's your competition there, man. These people, the problem is they choose songs that are just so lame, man. It's just like who the fuck wants to hear Ave Maria and shit? I'm like, dude, yeah. they're just lame, man. Yeah, you you got it's playing the crowd, right? Like you got to know what they want to hear. Yeah, I mean that's part of it, right? Song selection. You know, they would rather hear Poison by Belle DeVoe. You know, like they they want something that makes them want to dance and feel good. You know? Or the what's the song with the um porch? Oh fuck, man! Was it Bon Jovi? Uh, Why am I blanking on this thing? Like he's just a regular guy. Fuck! I just slaughtered that. I had the song and a, I'm all awkward because I can't sing. Just a small town girl. Yes, just a small town girl. Is that Bon Living Jovi? Living in a lonely world. Yeah, that's Journey. Oh, Journey. That's right. Dude, yeah. fucking every time I go carry train. it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People go crazy for that song. Ape Absolutely. Shit. Ape shit over Oh, that. man. You go nuts. If you can pull that song off in the original key, which is not easy, you know, Steve Perry's pipes. I mean, this guy can really sing, man. You know, that's hard. And, but, uh, dude, did you have like a dance? Like, are you a twirler? Are you a microphone dipper? Like, what do you do <laughs> when you get up on stage with this? I, uh, um, I... I'm pretty funny. I, I try to get laughs in between uh, verses and chorus. You know, I, I work the crowd. Like how so? Facial expression? I'll, I'll do crowd work, you know, like little things. Like, uh, I don't know, I'll pick somebody out from the crowd and just make a comment to them in between uh, in between lyrics and whatnot. I just get really playful. Gotcha. Really. I use my comedy chops. Right. You know, it could just be something like as simple as... Uh, you know, you just stare at, if you're singing a love song, you just kind of look at someone and go, you know, like in between there. <laughs> right. They don't, they don't expect that. Or I'll beat, maybe I'll beatbox uh, during the chorus instead. You know, the, you don't see that coming. Oh shit. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll do, I found ways to kind of yeah. get laughs during a karaoke and- contest. It's quite, if you see me do karaoke, I, I mean, I'm trying to pat myself on the back here, but like, it's quite, it's quite a show. It's, it's- quite a show. Cause I can sing. I can move and I can get laughs. I do funny shit. It's right. it's something. It's something. People so, will talk about it afterward. That guy, remember that guy? That was out, that was out of control. Uh, yeah, and I did. I, um, during internet research, I do know that uh, you had spoken about like you broke dance or broke dance. You were a break dancer for a little bit, right? Yeah, when I was a very young kid, I yeah. I, I tried to break dance uh, and. Um, I liked it. I thought it was. I thought it was cool. Yeah. So you can get up there. You just throw all sorts of shit at people. Yeah. I mean, I can move a bit. I can move a little bit. Uh-huh. I'm not gonna. You're not gonna catch me on the floor doing a backspin these days. Um, can you do the jump? You know, when you're back. I don't even know what it's called. But when you're flat on your back and then you can jump directly to your feet using your hands. It's oh, like- I used to be able to do that. I haven't tried that in a long time. I used to be able to. I'm quite sprightly. Sprite sprung. 
What's the word? Sprunged. Sprunged. Is it spry? S P R Y? What is it? I I believe it's sprunged. If it's in the past present participle. (laughs) I'm like, you're the teacher, dude. I think it's spry. I'm quite spry. Spry. I used to be, anyways. Yeah. I used to be able to do things like that. I used to be able to do a windmill. Uh, No no, no more. Oh, no. Jesus. Jonesy, man. Fucking Jonesy. Dude, thank you, Jonesy, so much for your time, man. um, It was just, it was awesome, man. Fucking, again, we talked maybe for like, two and a half minutes before we started recording and um just natural man best to you in uh la with your fucking really ingenious ideas um oh thank you sean i appreciate that um i hope your listeners uh, learned a little something and were entertained uh, by me uh, certainly they learned a lot about our, our, our personal politics that's for sure I, I did. Well, uh, <laughs> so that's something i always like it's funny man because like starting these pods i i me listening to my own pods, I really suck at the end. I'm real awkward with like trying to end it and respect people's time. And like, I don't have like that catch line, but it, I'm tending to start pods now with like just shooting shit about whatever versus getting into the stories. Cause I think it helps people to feel more like comfortable because yeah, you're building I, I like agree. that rapport. You know, it's not like immediate, like, so your childhood, did your father abuse you? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, right. I think you guess uh, feel less put on the spot with this approach for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but no, dude, I, I, I don't mind. I enjoy getting to hear people's perspectives, especially people who are worldly like yourself traveling, man. Like it's good to know what other people think in other places. So I love it. You know? Yeah. You know, and I had, a, we didn't really get into it, but I was in Asia during the outbreak of the pandemic. And, you know, if you ever want to have me on again, we could talk about that. I wrote, a, I wrote, I should send you the article that I wrote about it because it's pretty eye opening. Um, I was in the perfect position to see firsthand how, one continent dealt with it and then my own country so and it was very alarming to me uh you know to say the least and and now i I saw this coming a mile away the way that it is right now i saw it a mile fucking away yeah well because i I don't know again to get super deep when your president's a pure fucking capitalist and improvs on national stages you shouldn't just be thinking out loud about like well could we drink it and we need money. Like, and it yeah. doesn't seem like Asia does either of those. To me, if yeah. you're going to be stereotypical, you're you're much more precise <laughs> with what you're doing. And they're probably much more fucking like scientific based versus, huh, I think this and I'm a powerful man. It might be true. <laughs> yeah, a total mess. A total mess. So yeah, if you ever want to have me on, we could talk about those things and we could go deep with that stuff and uh if you'd like to. Yeah, um, man. Yeah. I, I hope that your listeners, if they enjoy my personality, they think I'm funny and intelligent and all to check out the Weird AF News podcast. It's five day a week weird news on Fridays. I only do weird news out of Florida. It's called Florida. Oh, Friday. dude, the Florida bunch of the fucking face eaters back on that yeah, like so, that, that meth I mean, shit you know, that was going on, dude. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. Weird, Today was dude. Friday. Today was Friday. Uh, let me just give you a taste of the headlines from awesome. from, t- from today. I mean, because it's just always oh, you can't go wrong with, with Florida, you just... <laughs> dude. You really can't. There uh, is it the fucking humidity, the swamps. What? Why? You Why know, is it I've so weird down there? I interviewed a friend about it, and you know we could not get to the bottom of what the hell it is. I mean, you can't blame it on the humidity. There are other humid places. Singapore is right on the equator. It's very <laughs> humid. It reminded me of Florida. Yet the people aren't this messed up. Uh, you know. So uh, here's today's uh, little bits. Florida issues a warning about a rare brain-eating amoeba. Oh. That's good. Um, a human head was found on the side of the road. I saw that uh, shit. A Florida man's DUI arrest is his sixth. 
but first on a lawnmower. <laughs> and a Florida family finds a strange woman in their kitchen cooking ramen noodles. Yes, Florida, baby. I mean, the degeneracy, the degenerate behavior coming out of Florida is is just, it's endless, and it, it provides me endless fun on Fridays for sure. Dude, I love it. Yeah, man. No, and I'll definitely put that in the uh, description, the podcast. Yeah, weird, weirdafnews.com is the website. Um, so yeah, if, if people like their news, not so serious, you know, mainstream, I always say this, mainstream news just frustrates you. It gets you down. It's For sure. depressing as fuck, especially right now. You know, so I offer an alternative to that, which is some news that can make you laugh and be grateful that you, you know, you're not a degenerate living in Tallahassee. Fucking you know, pathetic. Chomping people's face off on on Flaca or whatever the hell it is that they're taking over there. <laughs> so true. You know, no. it's like you feel good about yourself listening to this kind of news. You know, I can't, yes. I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's almost like I'm a very trip. Biased. It, yeah. It's well, it's almost like a trip to Walmart where you leave just feeling better about yourself. Yeah, exactly, dude. It's like a trip to Walmart where you're like, wow, at least I'm not those people. God, yeah. I love I love killing time like that. Just looking at random ass Walmart pictures when people post, <laughs> like the PJs yeah. and the ass cracks and everything that goes along with it. You're like, I I do. I feel better about myself, and I don't oh, know if man. I should feel bad for being feeling better about myself, but yeah, I yeah. feel better. <laughs> oh man, you nailed it. I should send you. I'm gonna send you two links. It's to one, another article that I wrote called. Uh, it's called after 700 episodes of. After producing 700 episodes of a weird news show, I have learned that Walmart is the most dangerous building on the planet. <laughs> and, oh man, I found some crazy stats, crime stats related to Walmarts in the U.S. that will make your fucking head spin. Dude, like, and, it's outrageous and what on goes top on of it, at a dude, Walmart. Think about who goes to Walmart and they're the fucking, like, weren't they the number one sell, seller of firearms? Yes, they were. Like, what yes. the fuck? Think about the clientele going in there buying that shit, man. Yep, and then the, that new the, there was a new CEO that took over, and we did a lot of uh, like I got to the bottom. I did research. I found out why is it like this in Walmart? Why is it so dangerous? The CEO got on board and did a lot of uh, cutting costs. Got rid of all security guards. There was no you know like that happened. God. Got rid of all security, and so who's the security? Is the employees? You know, and um, you know, so the the shit everybody knows that they can easily shoplift from this place. It's like, it's ridiculous. But yeah, I'll send you that article too. You might find it to be funny and educational. It really will make your jaw drop drop to the ground. It really will. It's like, wow, what's going on over at Walmart is outrageous. What, dude, what does the AF stand for? As, as fuck. Weird as fuck. <laughs> weird as fuck news. Yeah. Weird, weird I, AF news. <laughs> I was trying to figure out like the curse word or the whatever, yeah. the, the LOL-ish, like what's the translation yeah. of it. I love it. Jesus, Jonesy, man. Thank you so much for um, letting us you get to it. know you. Thank you so much for your extra time, dude. I really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with all your creative-ass concepts, man. I fucking, Thanks, Sean. I'm a fan. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Have a nice weekend, buddy. Yeah, do the same, man. Bye. Later. Thanks to Jonesy for coming on the pod and um, letting all of us get to know him a little bit more. Be sure to check out some of his comedy and his podcast. All you got to do is Google. Thanks to AndrePsyche.com for sponsoring the pod. Go to AndrePsyche.com for some trippy-ass merch that's going to be worth checking out. And if you haven't already, please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod. We are on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The Word of the Pod. The Word of the Pod. Write this down if you need to. Training Wheels. 
which I believe is actually two words unless you hyphenate it. Training wheels is the word of the pod. Post that word in any of our social media or tag the pod when you use it in yours, and you're going to get a shout out on the next podcast. Also, do not forget, please, to subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod. We are on Apple, Spotify, or any podcast platform. Just click a button or two for us. Thank you. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of the Getting to Know You podcast, I guess it's pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. All you got to do is message us. Hasta luego.